0: welcome to episode 94 of the grip strip podcast the 2021 nascar cup series recap edition and much much more we'll be uh going into deep diving into last year's cup uh series season the kyle larson et cetera. Et cetera. there's plenty of topics we're gonna cover here tonight we'll also get into nfl uh with the coaching changes of course that are coming along all the gms that are gone also playoffs uh playoffs uh there will be here this uh week super wild card weekend we're gonna have monday night foosball for the last time this year the manning cast will uh be the uh the nfc west teams a uh, certain other nfc west team will be playing a uh, rival longtime rival for the first time in the playoffs in what is it 26 years um which is scary for me um because it shows how old i am uh but yeah the, the we'll get in all that um we'll talk about other news and notes of the uh, that came out this past week and all forms of motorsports and uh josh will have his sim segment amongst other things so yes let me introduce the get the panel uh, of course my co-host josh afine what's good brother
1: I'm doing great, Phil. So uh, glad to be back on the show this week and glad to be on this roundtable discussion here.
0: Absolutely. And I was able to call in a couple of friends here, uh, former co- like, uh, co-host or host and uh, a social media influencer uh, for sure. And I mean it in the most kind way because actually there's good influence that this gentleman is doing. And one of the biggest fans uh, I've met in a long time too, uh, first I'll introduce um, guy I did a podcast with for a couple of years uh NASCAR podcast uh, host former host of talking in circles and still a writer for frontstretch.com um, more time spent as uh, dad to kale um, uh-huh. and husband I think that's the main focus for Clayton Caldwell what's going on man welcome back hey, to ESP. Thank you. I'm excited. It's going to be nice to talk race and haven't done it in a long time, so it's going to be a lot of fun. I figured you wanted to get back on, and now you don't have to be uh, worried about all the other stuff. You just get to talk, so it's, it's right. got to be a little bit uh, less stress. Uh, my other guest, another returning guest here to the GSP is a man who I think may be the number one Baltimore sports fan I know. Um, he also is one of the top maybe three Bubba Lawless fans. Um, I, I, my fandom goes back a while with Bubba, but the fact of the matter is it's not the level. Is I can't compete with this guy. Um, he's also a great, he does some great work on the platforms. Uh, he also is writing for pitboxpress.com. His name is Phil
2: Spain. What's going on, man? Hey, what's going on? Long time. What's it been since about like, Last it was some sometime last season, wasn't it? Last yep. time
0: yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We we're gonna make it a little more often. I know you're gonna have more things going on, more things cooking. So hopefully we can do this a little more often. It'll justify me actually watching the races plus, yeah. um Brisco actually um comes around here in year two like he did in the Xfinity series. That would make me happy. But um that's my personal bias aside. Um we will start tonight with um, Young Money, uh, the guy that won the 2021 Cup Series Championship, Kyle Larson returning um, from his cancelling himself um, on iRacing and basically getting into not only a better ride, but um, free rolling it to 10, however many wins he had. And it, the the redemption arc that um, existed there for him not only took place on the uh, nascar it was on dirt and basically if he could drive on it uh with four wheels kyle larson's been winning more or less since may of 2020. one person that obviously hasn't been affected by the pandemic at the end of the day most of us have in some way shape or form but i think one guy that's actually been able to come out ahead is kyle larson And I think also another person's Jeff Gordon, since he's taking over the team soon enough, which will make Phil happy. Um, The fact of the matter is um, that's his guy. Uh, We lost Phil there. We'll see him come back in a minute. So um, I'm going to go to you, Josh. I mean, Kyle Larson, we talked about it ad nauseum. Uh, It got to a point where I just picked Kyle Larson every week, I think, on here. Yeah, you um, did. Because I just didn't care anymore. I'm like, yeah, he'll win um, because he won everywhere. Um, It was almost like Jimmy Johnson in his heyday. It was like Jeff Gordon in his heyday. Uh, It was like, okay, he's going to win every week. So I'm like, all right, um, I'm not going to try anymore. Um, So, yeah, I mean, Larson, 10 wins, 20 top fives, 26 top tens. That's elite. Um, That's by far without any question his greatest season um, in a cup car um, he was winning all over the place, all over the world. He won the Chili Bowl again. He won Knoxville, which he's always wanted to. So he got his major, um, offending the NASCAR fans, that the uh, the ones that were around for a long time, and people that maybe some of his fans that were there before he canceled himself. But he he's always wanted to win the Knoxville Nationals, and I kind of thought he would go World of Outlaws racing and be with his brother-in-law, who's now a three-time champion of that series. Um, but instead, he's a cup driver again, and he's going to be around for a long time, huh, Josh?
1: Yeah, Kyle Larson this year, we thought, or in 2021, you know, going in, we didn't really know what he was going to do. I mean, obviously, being in the number five car, coming back uh, to NASCAR after his time off and uh, getting into the uh, Hendrick Motorsports stable, uh, it was almost kind of ascending into his role there because. You know, we saw kind of what he could do at Chip Ganassi Racing, especially in 2017. He had a four-win season there and competed with Martin Truex uh, for the regular season title there uh, that year. And we saw kind of what in he 2017. could do. Yeah, 2017. Yeah, and what he could do there, and and uh, you know, going into that that playoffs, you know, kind of faded away, and then uh, didn't really have much. Uh, you know, he had that one highlight at Chicagoland in 2018, then kind of didn't really do anything. 2019, now 2020, and then uh, going into 2021, you know, goes out and dominates. And from the start, I mean, once you saw what he could do at. Uh Las Vegas dominating mile and a half tracks. That's basically what he did the whole year. He dominated most of the races at the mile and a half tracks, won a bunch of the road course races, and then even started to win on short tracks as well. Uh the only place that he you know he didn't really uh have much competitiveness was on the super speedways. He's not really known as a super speedway racer, really. Um, I mean he was kind of there at the end of the Daytona 500, but um, you know, ended up getting caught up in the last lap crash there as well. But you know, he dominated the entire year and Established himself in the Cup Series, and you know, people for years said that him being in a Hendrick car, like when's it going to happen? You know, being kind of in because you know he was kind of uh committed to Chip Ganassi, right? And it was always going to be committed to him. And then you know the incident happened, he got released, and then Hendrick picks him up, and you know has to. He's basically self-funding uh Kyle Larson's uh, ride there. And then Kyle Larson comes out and dominates at Hendrick, and you know people said for years like I was going to say, he's, if he ever gets into a Hendrick car, like watch out and. He did exactly what people um, thought he would do if he was actually in a really good car. So um, this year in 2022, he's got to defend his title, and we'll see if he's able to repeat this performance uh, in the next-gen car.
0: Yeah, and that's, I mean, we're going to get into that later for sure um, with this next-gen car and what this platform is relative to what we've had for many years. Um I'm going to throw to you, Clayton, on this. I mean, you know, we think about Kyle Larson now, the last two champions. It used to be the norm. Both of our lifetimes as a fan, we've seen Hendrick Motorsports dominate. Then there was a couple of years where they actually kind of fell back, and they weren't that team. Uh, But with the end of the Gen 6, whatever, all these different changes and rules packages they had, for whatever reason, it seemed to suit Hendrick Motorsports more than most. I think the road racing aspect of it uh, with their, I think their car that they have, their track day car, um, I think has played a role into that. But then also you add the notion of um, their ability to win on those. They couldn't win on cookie cutter tracks, but they were able to win on smaller tracks or road courses. Um, They took advantage of that. And then once they had the pace on these cookie cutter tracks, it really was going to be out of control um larson was able to take advantage of that cliff daniels in his first year um with you know after working with jimmy johnson being picked by jimmy johnson to be his what ended up being his last crew chief um the pressure on him had to have been big but he showed up and really proved himself and i think there's an an i i I, for you as an elliott a Bill Elliott fan going back to see Chase Elliott as a defending champion he finished fourth in points but he wasn't the same to be fair it wasn't the same level of productivity even as he had the, in his championship year um how do you see the balance I mean you could talk about Larson what he what he did and what your thoughts were but I also see that you know how that rivalry will i mean if, i mean i call it rivalry it's more like air quote rivalry will kind of uh set the tone for Hendrick motorsports because at the end of the day it's like think about jeff and jimmy and how that dynamic went and how basically jeff ceded to jimmy and jimmy ended up becoming this you know you know guy i mean he's been a guy for chevrolet for decades but to do what he did was generally unexpected in the stock car um is that a changing of the guard at Hendrick or is Chase Elliott going to be able to respond because the reality is he's the marketing he's the face of or one of the faces of the sport um he's the most popular he'll be the most popular driver in perpetuity I guess um and but Larson went in there and knocked him knocked him out clean early and it really wasn't much of a and he beat him heads up too in races which um, I think is interesting that whole dynamic, especially because Chase is not big on talking, just like his dad. But he, you know, he showed it in Bristol with Harvick, but you know, outside of that, um, kind of plays it cool, and he had not really said a whole lot about you know what Larson brought to the table. But I think things have changed now at Hendrick Motorsports for sure with Larson's uh, domination last year. Well, I don't think there's any question, and and
3: you know, funny thing, not to get off topic, but about Hendrick Motorsports, when I think about them, you know, there was a time about four or five years ago where they had Jimmy Johnson, Dale Earnhardt Jr., Jeff Gordon, uh, and Mark Martin. And a lot of people were sitting there going, when is Hendrick, and even Casey Kane, you know, when Hendrick, they don't have a Bush Series team, or Sunday Series team, who they, who's going to be in the next guys? And now all of a sudden you look at it, they have not only, you know, Larson and Elliott, who you mentioned, but they also have Byron with a pretty good year last year, and Bowman who won four races last year. So Hendrick Motorsports for the future is, is set. Uh, but as far as how, you know, the dynamic between Chase Elliott and Kyle Larson is it is interesting. I mean, I, I don't think anybody expected Larson to come in in his first year at Hendrick Motorsports and win 10 races. Um, you know, who would have thought that? I mean, that is like, you know, I remember when, when Dale Jr. Got to Hendrick and I talked to some Dale Jr. Fans, they thought he was going to win six, seven races his first year at Hendrick. And I kind of sat there and said, Whoa, 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 pump the brakes. He's in his first year there. I uh, ended up winning nine and 10 years, but that's besides the point. But, uh, nobody expected Larson to come out and win, especially with an unproven crew chief. I mean, we knew Cliff Daniels a little bit. Jimmy Johnson, obviously, like you said, picked him. But, I mean, it was just a year that he couldn't have dreamed any better. And, um, you know, we always knew Larson had talent. You know, you mentioned uh, – Josh mentioned 2017. But it was, just seemed like the consistency throughout a whole year for Larson just wasn't there. And now would look back and say, well, maybe it was Ganassi. Uh, that was part of the problem. And maybe it was because i tell you what this, he went to Hendrick and it was like a light switch went on. And maybe there was a little bit of determination in Larson's eyes to, to show people, you know, I'm here to NASCAR, not only here for NASCAR, I'm here to win um, on a consistent basis. And he certainly did that. I mean, it was a, an extremely, extremely impressive year. Uh, You know, he won four of the last five, I think in in there and it was, it was insane. And um, you know, yeah, I do think if you look at Chase Elliott, you're sitting there, scratching your head a little bit going, OK, you know, was it just an off year? Because I do think 2021 was was a little bit of an off year for Chase going off a of championship year. He wasn't you know, I think everybody expected him to take the next step. And when you win a championship, naturally compete every year. And he was good last year. I'm not going to say it a bad year, but he wasn't anywhere near where Larson was. Um, And when you have the same guy and the same equipment come in and, you know, virtually dominate the sport. I don't know how you couldn't be frustrated. You know, that was a, a lot of the older guys, why they didn't want a teammate, you know, they didn't want to share. And then all of a sudden, you know, you work hard as hard as you did. And he's got a great crew chief, Elliot doesn't Augustus in, but uh, now you look at, um, you know, that five car and, and what that five cars done. I mean, they're the lead team now in Hendrick motorsports. There's no question. And uh, you know, not only that, but like I said, you got other drivers there at Hendrick who are really, really good. So it's just going to mean they're going to have to bump up their game. Now. Well, how does it change with the next gen? We'll see. Cause this car is going to change a lot of things. Everybody keeps saying how different it is. But um, yeah, I, I think if you're Chase Elliott and you look at what Larson did last year, I don't think you're you're not human if you don't try and at least duplicate, if not duplicate, but, you know, step up your game a little bit to sit there and say, well, I, I can do better than that. Um, it was certainly a, a dominant year. And, and as far as Larson is concerned in 2022, it's going to be hard to top, no question, because, you know, when, you were, when you're when you that good, uh, I remember when Larry McReynolds said about Davey Allison and that 92 team in 1992, you know, They they kind of rested on our laurels a little bit in going into 93 and they struggled to start there. And then, of course, we lost David in a a helicopter crash. But, you know, uh, that was why they struggled in 93 was because they kind of rested on our laurels from 92 and didn't improve during the offseason. And you have to wonder if maybe that's going to be what Larson does. Um, But we'll see. You know, it's again, it's going to change a lot, but uh, certainly a a interesting dynamic playing in the hand of Hendrick Motorsports for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, with Larson, I don't think, I think he only has one gear anyway. Um, that's fast. as fast as he possibly can and turn whatever way he has to turn. So I, I don't think that's going to change per se, but now it's the first chip he's had, I think in any major motorsport. Um, he's won lots of races, of course, but to, to be the cup series champion, there is more, you're going to be asked to do more you're going to have to do more media he's going to actually have to do um be a bigger face than what he was last year he basically was a ghost outside of jumping in the car and and putting it in victory lane uh you know this year the fan whatever fan base or be fans at a lot of races as of now he's gonna have a lot more responsibility he's gonna to have to speak and they're gonna ask him his, his uh opinions on a lot of things so will he be prepared and I guess in this case Phil now that you're back I mean, with Larson, I mean, you can go a couple of ways with it with Larson, but dude has always proven he's had driving ability. That's no doubt. Uh, getting in a Hendrick car, basically being a Jeff Gordon disciple of sorts, you know, coming from California, driving dirt and driving midgets and sprint cars and the whole bit. To go there and basically take over jimmy johnson's car and drive like what jimmy johnson or jeff gordon did i guess that's kind of what jeff gordon was looking for and rick hendrick too basically plastering his business on the car for 90 percent of the season but i also look at it in this case the you know we i mean clayton mentioned the future or what the few years before where they were with much older team and now they're a much younger team where does, what is the, I mean, is there a limit? Can he do more? Can he actually go and win like 12, like go do what Jeff Gordon did in 1998, win 13 races, you know, um, set some sort of points record, even though it's not really possible in this format. Um, and what, what, what is, is there a ceiling for Kyle Larson right now with this new, even with the new car coming in? Or, or is he going to come back down to earth and actually be around the level of his other teammates and then kind of have to grind this one out, which would be interesting to see Larson have to do. I mean, the consistency, the stats were there, the consistency was there. He won a hell of a lot, but, you know, if he doesn't get as many wins, it's more of a timing thing with wins anymore. But what are your thoughts on what Larson did last year and what he could do maybe to, for an encore in
2: 2022? Right. Oh. You know, for 2021, that was, to me, I would put it in the realm of saying that was an outrageous season. It's one we haven't seen in a long time where a driver went out and won races and then, you know, wins a lot of races, you know, won 10 and finishes up with the championship. Whereas, you know, we've had guys that due to this point, uh, you know, due to our, let's see, can you hear me? Yeah, I can. Yeah, I'm there. Yeah. OK, yeah. Um. No, but just with the point system, it's always, you know, it's not always the easiest to uh, to say that, uh, you know, the best driver won. But this was the year where you could say Larson stood out from I'd probably say after he after Bristol from last year. You know, once he got that first, well, he got his first win at Las Vegas, but uh, once he got consistently in this seat and then he went the tracks that he liked and even some of the new places that he went, you know, that that he was able to win at, uh, it was impressive to see him do that. Um, it's probably, I'd say it's one of those historic seasons. It would have been if, you know, if we were doing the old point system where, you know, you tally all season long, he would have ran away with. You know, we'd have been celebrating more than likely at, uh, you know, the third or fourth race beforehand. But uh, as far as for this season, you know, I don't want to kind of put a cap on what he can do because everybody's going to be learning with the new car. Uh, To me, I would have liked to have seen him, you know, this week at Daytona with the uh, next-gen car. I'm not sure if he's done a super speedway test yet, but it would have been nice. But I know he had the chili bowl and everything, which is understandable. Um, But, you know, to win, like you were saying, to get to that uh, record of, you know, 13 wins, you might as well set a modern era record, 13 wins he's going to have to do a little bit better on the super speedways but at that those races are out of his hands honestly once we you know he's just a victim of the the draft and of the uh packers at that when he gets in those accidents uh you know his track arrest track records at you know daytona and talladega haven't been the best but He's going to at least have to win one or two of those races. Uh, you know, we can, we know now he's great on, he's great on road courses. So I'd uh, like to, I, I'm excited to see when we get back to uh, Sonoma, you know, now with them changing the layout, see how he does there. But honestly, I think with us going in a new car, that is going to be, I'd give him a pass if he doesn't win double digit races, because I think we're all in that learning stage. So it's not going to be, I don't expect. Give it a second. here. Yep, You're back. Okay. Yeah. Um, No, I was just saying, yeah, I don't expect to see too many dominant, you know, dominant, uh, uh, you know, dominant teams until about halfway through the year because we're still all learning. And once one team kind of gets the hang of this new package with the 670, uh, I think we'll be good. So, but uh, as far as Kyle, the sky is the limit for him. You know, he's still going to do what he wants to do on the track, on and off the track. And uh, I don't know if he's going to go back to back and to kind of add on to, what Clayton was saying about you know the future of Hendrick Motorsports now it's to a point where you know you have that driver's edge development with JRM and GMS and well now I'm not sure as much of GMS now that they're with Petty but um, you know it's kind of like they're gonna be stockpiling people for I guess Chevrolet at this week because there's there's not enough room honestly because you've got four young drivers uh, you know. I don't see, you know, and they're all still within their prime of their careers. So, uh, but we'll see.
0: Yeah, we will see. And I mean, they're not going to get rid of two of those guys. And as long as Will Byron has his dad's um, job as uh, uh, as one of his main sponsors, uh, it's whatever you want to think about that place, uh, the fact is he's not really going to go away. I mean, Exalta also is there a uh, couple other sponsors, so he's not really going away. And now that he has his crew chief that he he wanted, uh, he made big progress last year. And then, of course, Bowman, the one guy at the team that actually has a personality. Um, Ally likes him the same way as um, uh, 88 with um, Nationwide liked him uh, when Junior uh retired and and asked for him to Bowman to take over Johnson ends up going and going to run Indy cars and ally and Hendrick and all of them say okay fine we'll go with Alex Bowman he wins four races last year um and not as consistent as his other three teammates I mean really the top the big two are in their own realm byron was kind of around and then you know bowman was a flash he'd go and win then he'd disappear for like a month then he'd win again disappear for like two months so we'll see what happens with that but he's he's their box office guy he's the one guy that actually isn't a robot he'll actually give you a quote um he does get in a little bit of stuff so um he's an interesting character so and he's also at the chili bowl this week too um i'm trying to think three of the four guys yeah 75 percent of hendrick motorsports is at the race uh this week so we'll see who i'm i mean larson's gonna make the a i'm not so sure about the other two um we'll transition into a key topic based on what the final four was but in general you look at the top 10 in points even uh the three Gibbs cars and three Hendrick cars six of the top 10 were those two teams you go further out and then you add their fourth cars um were all there the domination was by those two organizations Clayton and that's been the case for the last couple of years I mean going in we're gonna get in the next gen or I mean the gen six car and all the different rules packages and how stupid it became but Gibbs and Hendrick uh they were basically you're gonna pick i think maybe one out of maybe six guys or five guys or whatever depending on the track uh, last year uh and as that domination toyota of course you know get into whatever um they've done with the sport i think maybe their 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 existence will be have a little more significance here now with recent changes but the gibbs guys were the only ones I really could stay with Hendrick for a while. It looked like um, Hamlin yet again was trying to chase that elusive championship. And he had it. I think like Phil made that point, like up until about the month of May, Hamlin was uber consistent, you know, top fiving everyone to death and leading the points. But then Kyle Larson started his run in the month of May and then never really looked back. And I think it took him two months to go and take the points lead. And from that point on, um, more or less, Larson uh, had it on lock. I mean, even though he did have a couple of close calls, even at Phoenix, it wasn't um, a clear cut situation uh, for him. But I mean, the whole, we think about Gibbs for the last few years, you know, Kyle wins a couple championships, Truex, but their, their um, uh, satellite team wins a championship last year you can make an argument that in that race he gave him a shot to win um but james small as his crew chief you know um and now his longtime car chief um blake harris has just been hired to be a crew chief so um caitlin Vincy's husband um now is a crew chief uh but you know the whole that that whole dynamic with gibbs and hendrick that's something you've always had with those two big teams these two mega powers but what is I guess now you know you look at you made the comment about how Hendrick is younger the the Gibbs guys are much older I mean Kyle is the same age as I am and he's much more he's much richer and much more successful than I seemingly will ever be um but I don't have a mosquito head but um the even besides that he's in his 30s Hamlin's like pushing 40 or whatever you know Truex is pushing 40 are they going to be able to respond you know like what what was what, what did you think of what they did relative to that youth movement at Hendrick Motorsports and are they able to respond is Christopher Bell um capable of taking that next step the way he's proven you know, on dirt over his entire career being that one guy that kind of can give Kyle Larson trouble is it really up to right now is it up to Christopher Bell until Ty Gibbs eventually gets brought up into grandpa's team to go and wreck half the field, Uh, but or whoever else they may get uh, at Gibbs, because it looked like they had the advantage initially in the start of the season. Yeah. Hendrick had pace, but then as the season went on, they really didn't have an answer. They were consistent, but it just never seemed like it clicked. For them, even though they were the other main team uh, in 2021, there Clayton.
3: Yeah, and and I think the most surprising thing to me about him about um, Gibbs last year, um, I, Denny, to me, him and Chris Gabehart together was such a better move. I mean, he I know he liked Mike Wheeler, um, and he and he still you know respects Mike Wheeler enough to where he runs his operation over there at 2311, but the performance of that 11 car picked up immensely with Chris Gabe Hart coming over there as crew chief. And to me, that's been the, they've been the the flagship team over there. And, and, you know, I th- what I was getting at was the big kind of concerning thing for me at Gibbs was Kyle Bush. And, you know, you're going to sit there and say, well, Kyle didn't have a bad year last year. And he didn't, but we're used to seeing Kyle Bush. And to me, I always put him in the top three and most talented drivers in this sport. I think he is he can win anywhere. He is he's tremendous. And say what you want about him. I know, you know, his personality is very off-putting at times, but the man can drive a race car. He drives anything. Uh, he's gonna be in the sport a long, long time. But, you know, I, I almost think he almost regretted what happened with Adam Stevens a little bit. Um, you know, I know he I think he may asked Adam to make some changes with the team, and Adam kind of balked and said, I'm not gonna do it. Uh, and eventually it, it led to their, you know, uh leaving. And and Stevens didn't really have a great a uh, year with with Christopher Bell, either another one early in the year, but that was it. Um, but you know, that that to me was was really why Gibbs um kind of faded there was because the relationships that they have, and I feel like that is the most underrated thing in NASCAR, uh, is the relationship between a driver and crew chief. And um, you know, Kyle had a great one with Adam Stevens and I said it on on Talking in Circles when it happened, I thought he was going to regret that. And you could kind of tell by some of his comments and t- really towards the end of the year that he was not thrilled with what was going on there. Um and you know, and I, as I say that, they were, that was the most surprising disappointment to me was I, I was surprised to see Truex kind of rebound. You know, we saw Truex go through a little bit of a lull with, with James Small, but he really uh, picked it up pretty good last year. And uh, he wasn't, I wasn't, I wouldn't put him in the top you know, two or three, but he was, he was right there, at top five probably most of the year. Um, my concern with Truex and, and Toyota moving forward is a couple of concerns. One for Truex, he made some interesting comments about this next gen car. I'm not sure how long he's going to be around here for um for that you know and you mentioned it ty's gonna come up and and eventually replace somebody i don't know how long hamlin's gonna want to do this i don't know how long i I, but i'm pretty sure hamlin's gonna be around for five more years i know kyle bush will probably be around five more years uh christopher bell if he wins races and successful if you're joe gibbs you hope he's around five more years so that leaves one driver kind of you know out there. And that's Martin Truex Jr. Now, maybe you can see him kind of go to a hybrid role with the 2311 team. If if Kurt Busch decides after this year, he's done. And maybe they move Truex over there. That's a possibility. But I'm getting ahead of myself. But, you know, Toyota's a very, as far as the future is concerned, they're a very interesting team because they're the one manufacturer that really pours a ton of money into their young kids. But man, they, they seem to lose them. You know, it's almost uh-huh. like Ford and, and, and Toyota laugh, or Ford and Chevrolet laugh at him go, you guys breed these guys. We're going to steal them. I mean, Kyle Larson, people forget he came up as a Toyota guy, you know, Bubba Wallace, William Byron. I mean, I could go on and on and on and on and name these drivers without Bubba's fa- eventually found his way back to Toyota, but you know, I can go on and on and on about these drivers that Toyota had they lost and they, they never got back. I mean, you know, I mentioned William Byron, Byron was, was, a you know, we forget he was at accomplished motorsports. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. So, you know, that, that's going to be what the thing is. And, and the interesting part about that is, is that they've never at TRD have gone more than six engines in a, in a, in their race shop. Um, you know, they've always stayed they, And if they did have more than six Toyota t- entries, it was triads, which triad engines were a disaster. So TRD has to, you know, broaden their their uh their i guess their their scope of, of, of their engines and add you know more race teams which i think is eventually what they're going to do with 2311 i think they finally found you know somebody who's got the money to do that and the wherewithal with michael jordan and denny hamlin together so i think that's eventually what they're going to do but you know they just can't keep letting these good young drivers get away um and you know it makes you wonder if they're going to push some of these older guys out faster than what they wanted. What, what they want to do, what comes to mind is my job, or Bill Elliott in 2003 and 04, you know, I felt he was kind of pushed out of that ride when, when Casey yep. Kane was there. Absolutely. Um, so you got to wonder if Toyota's going to start doing the same thing. Um, you know, even though some of these guys might be successful, we kind of saw that with Matt Kenseth, even in that 20 oh, car. Definitely. So, um, you know, it's an, they're an interesting dilemma. Toyota there, listen, Gibbs is going to be there. There's a solid, solid race team. I think 2311 is going to benefit hugely from having a second car. And a veteran like Kurt Busch to help lead that organization. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're they're set up for success. Um, but I'm very interested in seeing Truex this year and how he's going to react um, with this new car and if Kyle Busch can kind of re- rebound and, and find that winning and winning consistently like he had a couple of years ago.
0: Yeah, I think he almost used it up when he got that second championship. And ever since then, he's been a different guy, uh, Kyle Busch, and he hasn't been the more pro – I mean – Obviously, he went out there, did his 100 wins in the Xfinity series, and he won't be driving there anymore. Uh, He'll only get five truck races, which, I mean, at the end of the day is probably not a bad thing. But um, with him actually having to sell sponsors and trying to go and, you know, market to keep the series alive, basically, he's one of the only reasons why the series alive at this point. Um, Probably not as great for him. Uh, He loves racing as much as he can. But um, uh, I'm going to go to you, Phil. I mean, with Toyota, you understand on the beneficiary side uh, on Bubba's situation and, you know, the Wheeler is funny. uh, Clayton, you made the comment about Wheeler. Um, And the minute you said, oh, well, uh, when Gabe Hart um, took over, he got exponentially better. It was kind of ironic that um, when uh, Bubba Wallace actually got booty Barker um he started running better too but that's beside the point uh when it comes to Toyota though I mean you brought up all those guys uh Clayton at like Byron and and others who have been there I mean with Toyota I mean I know you talk about it you know you're writing about it what it I mean what what do we take from last year with Toyota I mean Kyle Busch now of course eminem mars let's just say eminem mars is leaving after this right. year and he's been the most prolific winner for that company in their whole entire time in nascar um and he's one of the most prolific winners in recent nascar memory and you know he's gonna have you're gonna tell me that kyle Busch, a guy's got 50 plus cup wins has got sponsorship issues i mean that seems kind of crazy um but you know, that's where we are in the market we're in right now. You know, Martin Truex's sponsorship situation has more or less been Johnny Morris for a long time. Right. Uh, a couple other personal sponsors that were there that connected with him uh, at Auto you know, holders, Furniture yeah. Row. Yeah, you right. know, and then, you know, he's got his stuff with with, um, with um, Sherry. But the fact right. of the matter is those are two guys you talk, I mean, Clayton talked about it. I mean, Hamlin also, which we're going to get into here in a little bit. That that dynamic. I think those three guys. Hamlin left a lot on the table for many years. He's been and he's been on that cusp but right. then this time it was larson got him other years it's been other guys but larson got him this time kyle bush hasn't been the same guy since he won that second championship and then true i mean and and in the case of true x you know it's kind of borrowed time for him I, I mean you think about where's ty gonna go they're either gonna sell out true x or they're gonna sell out chris bell and if they sell out chris bell that's gonna be hilarious I And mean, it's basically gonna go to clayton's point about how toyota just runs their own drivers out it's like red bull driver development program and formula one um I, I mean when it comes to what toyota has to bring to the table um what do you see i mean what what do you think of what they did last year to at least try to compete with the youth at the youth movement at endrick motorsports the defending series champion uh in elliott and then larson coming back uh versus what um he was able to do here um, in 20, in 2021 with, uh, with Gibbs, the whole Gibbs outfit there. Right.
2: Uh, can you hear me? Yep. Cool. So I switched over to my phone real quick because my computer was giving me issues. But um, for, uh, you know, for Toyota, like we say, their issue is that there's, you know, not enough room at the end when it comes to you know uh spaces for the youth that they're bringing up because you can pretty much say if they're starting in arca they're going to be driving for the venturinis or you know uh for like the uh for the gibbs as well uh but then once you get past you know trucks which you've got kbm and then you got other places like uh I believe no well door sport sure. yeah door sport yeah once you get past door sport uh and then you get to the xfinity series it's just you know Gibbs, or you know you still get the guys like hattori and uh you know, there are places where those kids can grow at, but the issue is when they're ready and they're seasoned to go to cup, you've got four guys that are kind of at the tail end of their career, you know, with uh, Denny, I was doing some research while you were talking uh, Denny and FedEx, they just signed that multi-year deal. I think uh, towards the end of last year. So he's at least signed through 2023. Now Weber He stays there, you know, or maybe, you know, somehow he decides to drive a third car for his own team. You know, that's a possibility. You know, that's, uh, you know, like you say, with Martin Truex, uh, it's going to depend, honestly, and I've felt like this since COVID started, uh, that it's going to depend on how things go with Sherry. Because I think at this rate, he's really ready to hang it up. But he's, you know, really he's enjoying himself. Whereas in the beginning of his career, you know, how he drove with DEI and that little bit of a lull with Michael Walter racing, where he was more than like, uh, you know, considered like one of the better drivers there, but uh, you know, the last couple of uh, last five to six years, you know, he's having the time of his life. And I think that's what's keeping him there. Uh, but I would probably say he, He's somewhat, I think, in Alma Roller's shoes as well. The irony that if those two were to retire, you know, this year after driving for the same team at one point in time. Um, but, uh, you know, and then you look at Kyle, you know, Kyle's now getting ready to be a, you know, a father of two. Uh, he's really kind of enjoying watching Brexton do everything and, uh I like, like you say, you know, he loves the race, so I don't see him giving that up anytime soon. Uh, I'm not even, well, I'm not even sure how old you are. So that's why I don't want to say how old uh, (laughs) Kyle is, but um, you know, I'm
0: 36 going on 37 here in a couple of weeks. Okay, Yeah. So,
2: yeah, I mean, he's still got his youth, but you know, we're starting to see where youth is, you know, the younger, the better at this point for Cup Series teams. Uh, But the issue is I really think they kind of lost a good one when they let Harrison Harrison Burton go over to the Wood Brothers. Um, You know, maybe that was just, hey, we need a driver for a year. I don't know how long Harrison signed with the Woods, So, um, you know, maybe that's a thing where he takes the seat, but I can't see that happening because they would have just put him in another Toyota car. Um, so 23. Talk 11, about Eric Jones
0: too, honestly. Yeah, with, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. And I feel like they kind of forced him out in a way. I mean, well, technically, you know, Kenseth got forced out by him and then, you know, he got forced out himself. So uh, I guess, well, yeah. And Christopher Bell, he's the youngest one that they have. So it's gonna be i think you'll see it'll be christopher bell and it'll be ty and maybe one of the kids from arca eventually make it up a daniel die or uh somebody that's ready to make that leap you know within the next couple of years so i don't see a guy like brandon jones down in xfinity coming up to the cup series anytime soon or Dear even God, at all please <laughs> Dear God, I mean, if, if yeah, Brockshot Jones
0: they're... is in a Joe Gibbs racing cup car, then then one of the four of us should be allowed to drive a Rickway racing car um, in general, uh, please. I, I I mean, seriously. I, I mean, I know you're, they had Quinn Huff out there um, basically as a moving chicane for two years. Um, and then NASCAR got to them and basically said, um, yeah, just sell your charter, please. We don't want you around anymore. Uh, but if Bruckshot Jones gets a cup cup ride, the amount of dis- the 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 parts supply shortage will will definitely go up uh, for sure. Um, I kind of had it, you you said Bruckshot Jones and that just sent me off. So, um, but, yeah, I mean uh, he is he basically is, and he can't. I'm pretty sure he can't sell insurance like Buckshot Jones does. So or whatever the hell he does. Um, Josh, I'll throw to you here before we move into the um next topic um my thing will double up here uh I mean Toyota has there's been years where they were the dominant figure Chevy now the last couple of years has been the more dominant uh, you know manufacturer of course they have the most vehicles and then on the flip side Toyota's the least so they they're more qual they're more quality than quantity Chevrolet is the most out there but in the grand scheme of things um are we seeing the start of the decline for joe gibbs racing is is if, even though they had all four cars in the top 12 in points um are we on are they in trouble in a sense even after the year they had even with denny hamlin being a factor in multiple facets of of the series and kyle bush is he really is is the investment there at least on the cup side is he really as invested as he was in his heyday um to possibly compete again or maybe is this the start of the end for him yeah,
1: i think there's definitely something to the question i think you know for kyle bush the you know, one thing you guys um didn't mention is the you know, the fact we didn't have any practice basically the last two seasons and and when there was practices you know very limited capacity only a couple races here and there uh spe- you know especially the daytona 500 and i think you know coca-cola 600 and uh, the last race of the year, there's only time we had practice sessions in in the cup series and, uh, yeah, that too. And, you know, Kyle Busch thrives on being, uh, in the car all the time. That's, you know, that's why he likes to race. That's why he's in the truck series still. And only even it's only five races and he's, you know, been in the Xfinity series up until now, now he's quitting. So uh, he, you know, he gets better with repetition. And I think, you know, with, uh, not being in the car in 2020 or, you know, only having those practice, not having those practice sessions in 2020, it hurt him. And that's, I think a factor why he wasn't as good. Only uh, won one race in 2020 in Texas during the uh, playoffs. And then last year only won two races, you know, one at Kansas. And that one wasn't even really a race that he dominated. He kind of got uh fortune. Kyle Larson, you know, had uh, made some mistakes. I think Danny Hamlin made a mistake in that race as well. That kind of led to the cobwebs getting that win and then of course uh the fuel mileage win at Pocono uh in June and you know after that I mean he wasn't really much of a factor I mean he led laps at races still had 14 top fives and 22 top tens but um he 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 struggled uh, a lot during that season especially when it came down to the playoffs and you know you saw him in the playoffs at at Darlington like once he hit the wall and was out of the race like he knew he was finished and uh you saw that type of struggle that he had rage quit. Uh, yeah rage quit and all that stuff so uh it's going to be interesting to see if uh he can pick it back up uh, especially with this new car everybody's on kind of a equal footing i guess and uh we'll see if he's able to uh you know get back to his form from you know before now that maybe uh they'll have a practice session there is mean, going to be a limited time format still but at least having some you know type of feeling get the car set up uh, to the way he wants it to drive uh, before the race uh, you know could help him to be back to what he was in you know 2019 in previous years so we'll have to see about that and then you know Denny also kind of did fall off as well in terms of you know wins he was really consistent you know the first half of the year until Kyle Larson started taking over but then uh, he still didn't have that win up until Darlington in the middle of the playoffs or the start of the playoffs and then, then he he started winning more races and then eventually you know, he got up to the championship and had a shot there at the end of the championship race, but you know, ultimately didn't win. And I think, you know, for, for Danny, I think it's just about getting back to, um, being dominant again, like he was in 2019 and in 2020. So, uh, I think Danny, he, he could get it back, but I mean, I, I think the more that his focus is on you know 2311 getting them up and running being involved with that i think maybe his performance might start to fall off uh, in the 11 car and he still win races and stuff but you know he might not be uh as dominant as what you know he was last year and uh what we thought he might have been this year so it's it's going to be tough to see it. and then yeah, i think you know Toyota as a program um, or Gibbs really as a program because it's, you know, basically 2311 still, I, you know, even though it's Danny Hamlin's thing, I mean, they're really just a satellite team of the Gibbs still. And I mean, they'll grow out of that, but I mean, that's where they are right now. But I mean, we'll see what Bubba is able to do in uh, the 23 car. And then, you know, Kurt Bush, you know, he, he seems to get a lot, out, the most out of his car. So I'm really curious to see, you know, his performance uh, uh, in 2022 is going to be able to, finish in the top five or you know get top tens. Is he gonna get the one win a year that he seems to get every year now? Uh it seems like. And then for you know the rest of the Toyota, Martin Truex, does he get back to uh the playoffs? Does he make it to the top four? And then, you know, Chris Bell. I mean he's only had, you know, a handful of wins or you know, only one win so far in his career in the Cup series and hasn't really done a whole lot uh outside of outside of that one win at uh, the road course in Daytona, which I witnessed back in, uh, last February. So it, it, it's going to be interesting to see if, you know, especially as Gibbs, um, Rose as a team, or, you know, as they get older, uh, is he going to be able to take a, up that next step and, you know, kind of become the leader of that team, especially if, uh, you know, Gibbs, uh, Bush and, or, you know, Bush and, uh, Hamlin, especially as they kind of fall off and, uh, move on, does, you we see him or Truex, do, you know, do we see Chris Bell become the leader of that team or is he going to become like Eric Jones and get pushed out for Ty Gibbs or, or another young driver that Toyota decides that they don't want to leave the Toyota stable. We'll have to see about that.
0: Yeah. And that's something we're going to have the whole season really look at, uh, in regards to who's going to go where, um, I'm going to start with you, Josh, actually we'll go double up on this. Yeah. Um, in, on the flip side of what chevy did with hendrick what gibbs did with toyota ford's uh disappearance last year was um pretty epic uh harvick did not win for the first time in i mean i'm gonna go do this since just 2009 while 2000. yeah 2009 so he had been at at rcr for god knows how many years and he didn't win that was back-to-back years he didn't win and then ever since then he had won at least one race a year every year um and then he was coming off two out of the last three years winning eight and nine races respectively and being a guy who could have been the champion in 2020 uh he fell off you know just looking at Stuart haas racing only eric almirola of course has announced his retirement at the end of this year of the end of 2022 he was the only winner and that was a darkness shortened race at new hampshire that if they had run it out i think to the full distance he was not going to win it um chase briscoe had his one moment at indianapolis i think he had a chance at nashville to get like a top three finish and then car blew up or break something failure happened um, there was a couple other times he had last year, but really it was Indianapolis and he sent Denny Hamlin into the infield, um, and then got penalized and finished last in the lead lap, but he got the boy from his owner and his, um, other boss and, uh, smoke and zippy. Uh, but that team was irrelevant generally. Uh, but Kevin Harvick finished fifth in points somehow with consistency. Um, but he wasn't the same Kevin Harvick as he has been over in previous years uh the, the Penske team was the only team that really gave you know where it's a Ford deal of course Brad finished the best of the three uh, Brad and Joey had finished second and third in points the year before and had chances to win at Phoenix to win that championship which would have been their second championship um either of them um in this case for Brad he won one race only at Talladega Um, it was emotional for me personally, as a fan, um, I kind of figured it was similar to what Tony's 2008 was and it went that way. Um, and the way that he's moving forward with the next step in his career is a lot like Tony's, um, move to become an owner at, um, RFK racing, but the Penske team won five races. Brian Blaney had a a breakout year, three wins. No, Lagan only had one win, um, but you know the the. But other than that, I mean, those were the only four. What was it? I mean, there was only six Fords that looked. Yeah, you know, six Fords. Two of the no, three. Yeah, six Fords in in the playoff after other years where the Ford contingent was much more dominant. Penske, of course, was much better in 2020, um, and in other years um, they've been up there. But what do you make of the Ford disappearance last year? Was it strictly because of yet another rules package change? Um, was it because there was a, a freeze on certain areas of the car, certain development where they couldn't make the changes, or was it just an off year for Ford? And they'll, you think, with the new car, they'll be right back where they've been for many years?
1: Uh, I mean, I think probably it was an off year for Ford. And I think for Penske, you're used to seeing uh, Logano and Keslowski both get a handful of wins throughout the year, and both of them uh, only got one win each. And then, um, you know, with Ryan Blaney, Blaney's the one that never really had as much wins uh, so far in his time at Penske. And then last year you know, he stole a win from Kyle Larson at Atlanta and then uh, managed to get one at, at Michigan and then was – up front, where, when it mat- mattered at uh, Daytona uh, to get into the playoffs. And then um, I think, you know, for that, for that team, I think they just had an off season um, compared to what you know they've had in the past. And I think this year um, gives them a chance, especially uh, Austin Sindrick being a rookie in the series, gives them a chance to kind of regroup and uh, get back to finding the pace that they had. You know, Penske's always known for finding the un- unfair advantage that they, uh, you know, like to tout. And I think you probably will see Penske try to figure out something with uh, this next gen car, try to exploit it. And, you know, maybe they could be up front, especially with uh, Blaney and and Logano. I'm sure that, um, you know, Austin Cedric probably have some kind of learning curve, especially uh, transferring from the Xfinity series car to the cup series. Then I think also for uh, Stuart Haas, as a Ford team, you know, they had, uh, they had a really off year. Harvick didn't win at all and wasn't really a factor. And, uh, the only race he had a chance to win was Bristol in the fall, uh, during the playoffs. And, you know, we didn't really see anything else from the Ford team. And I think that's probably most telling is the, the struggles for Ford is Harvick struggles, because if he didn't win a race, uh, for them, it was going to be bad for the rest of the four drivers. Cause I think, you know, with, especially in Stuart Haas, cause Briscoe's rookie, um, You know, the other guys at Ford, I mean, you had 41, not really great driver, Cole Custer, um, Eric Almorola, you know, had that win at New Hampshire, but, you know, didn't really do anything else uh, in that car and hasn't really done anything much there either. So uh, for that team, and I think, you know, for Ford as well as a, organization as a manufacturer. I think, um, that kind of showed where they are off this year or in 2021. So, um, it's going to be interesting to see if they can pick it back up as well, especially with Harvick, if they're able to um, get at least a uh, one win or multiple wins, uh, going into uh, 2022. And then, um, you know, you also bring up Keslowski he's moving over to RFK racing or formerly known as Rosh family racing. And, you know, it's going to be interesting if they can figure out a way to get a win. Uh, that team has not won in a long time. And if you don't count restricted play races, they really haven't won in a long time, you know, all the way back to 2013 with Carl Edwards at Sonoma. So I think, you know, with, uh, that team, it's going to be about growth for Keselowski, you know, growing into an owner and rebuilding the team that has struggled, you know, for many years, you know, outside of restricted play races. And it's going to be interesting if, you know, they can, you know, get a driver like Keselowski and, um, you know someone who's uh, seen success at Pet, uh, Penske and bring the knowledge and talent that he has and bring it over to uh, Roush and and maybe that helps Chris Busher as well. He's a former champion in Xfinity Series and um, hasn't won yet in the Cup Series, but you know, he's shown some flashes here and there, but you know, hasn't really shown any uh, you know much consistency. And we'll see if he's able to um, grow from that and you know improve as a driver as well. So I think it just you know an off year overall for Ford
0: yeah I mean I just uh correct I mean the busher did have the one rain out at Pocono um I was there actually uh smoke got a top five out of that deal uh it was a weird day it was a Monday day and the, the whole track was covered in fog it was a yeah. foggy day yes. yes it was a nice <laughs> it was a good day to be there on a Monday for sure sounds like you were there too Phil um I slept at you know, my old friend place and barely couldn't barely function, but we were there and like, all right, let's go back on Monday. Let's have some fun. And by golly, we saw Chris Buescher actually win a race um, with um, with the Carl Edwards old crew chief Clayton. Um, you'll remember it.
3: Bob Osborne.
0: Bob Osborne. Thank you. Um, that was his last win as a crew chief um since um front row motorsport seems to be a turnstile for crew chiefs and somehow or another drew Blinkensdorfer um upgraded um since he's so great um you know the the ford situation there phil it hasn't been as good here in recent years there is potential uh the chase briscoes of the world um, have shown that my bias aside uh you know they're Austin Sindrick has taken this huge step forward in um, his career uh, during pandemic and has really become somebody that I think they believe will be a contender. Um, I mean, Blaney is another one. Now they've added Harrison Burton in the 21 car. Um, Ford is reloading. And, you know, Harvick, I mean, Tony's never going to tell him to quit. He'll quit when he wants to um but the rest of those cars I think the 14 car Tony it holds it close to his heart um he let his buddy Boyer drive around them back for however many years um but now he knows he has a guy that can really do the job if you give him the pieces and um the time and he's going to build with him uh but in Harvick so it's kind of similar to Gibbs where, or Hendrick where they have two cars where they kind of know where that's going to be. And then the other two cars are kind of in limbo. I mean, one of them, Genos's best friend, is son's driving it. So I don't think Cole Custer will ever lose his job. Um, kind of like Egghead in Formula One. But... I mean, with Ford, it's going to be interesting, though. Uh, they, There has to be a response this year. Um, Toyota has some people coming up. I'm sure 2311 is going to be growing. We talked about that. Chevy, of course, you talked about driver's edge. You know, Carson Hosevar, amongst other people. You know, the McAnally team's going back to Chevrolet. You know, so there's more talent there. Um, you know, with Ford last year, it just wasn't good enough and uh does brad like i I mentioned earlier about brad the kind of like how it mirrors with tony which is crazy since they're both they're doing my drivers um does brad moving over to rfk bring him back into relevance now with this new card is that part of what makes that move more like Viable. I mean, there's multiple reasons. I mean, it's, you know, Brad Keselowski and, you know, Brian and Kay, you know, the loss of Bob Keselowski a few weeks ago. Um, And I think there's always been a connection with Brad wanting to be an owner of a team and kind of build something back up because he kind of felt guilty that K Automotive, for all intents and purposes, went down while he was driving the truck um, by the end of their time. Um, So I think he always felt guilty about it. So now he wants to be a guy that can build something up, a Michigan effort because Jack Roush is a Michigan guy, Ford, all of that. I think there's a lot of connections there a lot of energy that you know like you think about brad keselowski the only thing is missing from his career i mean yeah he probably wants another championship and he had about two or three chances um to get another one is a 500. he could go out there in a few weeks time win the 500 uh in his first race for a new team as a car owner in an iconic car after driving another iconic car and, you know, put himself in the playoffs and spend the whole rest of the regular season R and stuff and put himself in a position to possibly get that championship, which like Tony Stewart did, he led the regular season points in 2009. And then, you know, shit, the bed and the chase, but you know, it, it that's the thing. Ken, it's like, I, I guess the way we look at it is Ford thoughts on Ford from last year. And I guess in this angle. What do you think about Brad for um, as car owner Brad instead of just driver Brad?
2: Yeah, true. Um, As far as Ford in 2021, uh, of course, it wasn't their best season ever. But uh, to me, like we said, everything once we saw that Harvick wasn't going to, you know, do his normal eight or nine wins, I kind of started to realize that maybe Ford wasn't showing everything that they could have shown last year, but that was on purpose. Now, knowing that, you know, we had a new car coming this year, did they hold back, you know, and say, Oh, well, people are counting this out, you know, uh, we'll go into the next gen car with you know, a, uh, a fresh sheet and we'll be able to go out and compete starting day one. And even if you looked at practice today at Daytona, uh, the four drivers were the ones that were being the most, you know, aggressive out there, you know, now granted, you're already dealing with, uh, Austin Cindric, who is kind of aggressive on a super speedway. Uh, but if you looked at practice, the way he was, uh, pushing Harrison Burton around, um, And, you know, even Harrison was saying that he ran a lap. I think when they were doing the tandem, uh, he ran a lap where he thought he was going slow, but it ended up being one of the fastest laps of the day. Whereas if you're listening to, you know, Chevy and everyone else, they were saying that they felt that their tandem or their uh, pack racing was a little bit slower, Um, you know, uh, but that that's, you know, plate racing and everything but as far as ford to me and this is going to come as a shock to i'm I'm sure a few people but one of the more consistent guys last year was michael mcdowell if you think of it you know he went he goes out and wins the 500 you know debatable on how he won it you know (laughs) but um You know, uh, then he followed it up at the road course and even on other road courses, you know, he at least was he was there getting top 10s and top 15s. And, you know, of course, they had moments where he did shit the bed. But, uh, you know, that's 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 racing. But if you would have told me before Daytona last year that Michael McDowell would have been in the playoffs now. I might would have guessed that they might would have won Talladega or something like that just because it's unpredictable. You know, I didn't expect, I didn't even expect them to make it out of the first big one at Daytona. So there's that. Um, But I don't know. It was just like for Ford last year, they had a horrible year organizationally, but uh, well, I guess you can say organizationally in the cup side, because if you look at the, uh, if you, if you look at Xfinity, you know, Austin Sendrick tore that up um but it, it i don't know it's just like for me i'm i don't want to buy in completely on ford for this year uh but i feel the same way about a lot of uh, a lot of the manufacturers but as far as bread with uh you know rfk which is going to be kind of sick i think of the football stadium more than i do uh <laughs> more than i do the uh the team but I I don't know. You know, eventually, I think at some point, maybe three or four years from now, maybe, you know, they buy out Jack and Ford steps up a little bit more financially, Uh, you know, and I could see, you know, it becoming, you know, K Automotive, you know, Uh, but... I don't know. I don't want to say that it's Brad's way back in the relevancy or as far as, you know, a fresh start to give him a different view on it because he leaves from Penske where, you know, if he wanted to, you know, he probably could have raced there for the rest of his life or, you know, the rest of his career. But, um, you know, now he goes into this, whereas now it's your money plus, you know, uh, Jack's money. And then the money from uh, the Fenway sports group, you know, I mean, does it say, you know, does it look on the surface like it's a good thing? You know, yeah, it does. It looks like, you know, they're going to have the chance to put assets together to be a, you know, get back to being a competitive team, but therein lies the issue. You know, now you've got Brad coming over thinking that he has to prove himself, you know, and he's a champion. He doesn't really need to prove himself. He's won the uh, the Brickyard. He's won everything, like you say, but the Daytona 500. How, you know, and then you've got a guy like Chris Busher there with him, and it just, you know, Chris is hot or cold. You know, he had a bunch of great runs last year, but You know, you don't know what you're going to get this season and especially with a new car, you know, does this go back to being that Roush Fenway that ran, you know, that was pretty much also ran, you know, uh, you know, I I don't know how much uh, Chris was able to learn from being with Ryan Newman, because it seemed like Newman was more reserved than he was anything but. I, I I don't know. I, I'm not ready to buy in on RFK as, uh, you know, a good I don't want to say a good team. You know, I don't I don't want to downplay it because they deserve to be there. But the issue is they've got to figure out, OK, is it Ford or is it us? Is it us internally? And, you know, they're and, you know, Brad's bringing in new people and people that he's had around him before. So maybe that'll be a boon to towards them. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be exciting to see if I was, if I'd say anything, I'd say probably around April or May, we'll know it. And, and once we get past the first couple of mile and a half tracks, we'll, we'll know who's going to stand out as far as forward. And, and to kind of wrap that back up from what I was saying, uh, for SHR everything is to the point where everyone's just like JGR getting old you get guy you know you've got Almirola who's gonna retire uh Harvick has said I think he said on a Dale Jr. download that more than likely I think 2023 is gonna be the last season for him so and that's at least just to get a goodbye tour in. um we'll see what they're gonna do but See, that that's where the issue falls, because they don't have, you know, they, they've got the Xfinity team, but you've got Riley Herbst. Yeah, Riley Herbs, or as I call him, Terrible Herbst. um, Literally. <laughs> but, uh, no, but with Riley, I don't ever expect to see him in the Cup Series at any point. And, and you know, you've got Ryan Priest. Uh, but that's Ryan the biggest is, thing, yeah. Yeah, R- Ryan is 30. So by rights, he could spend the next year, next 10 years or so at Stewart Haas. But, you know, it, it's going to depend. I still see them, like they say, you know, splitting those 12 races between four teams. And who's to say with now with the next gen, you know, if another team decides to pop up, uh, you know, and they say, oh, well, you're a four driver, you can come race for us, uh, you know, and then it's back to square one again for him. So it's just like. They don't need to go out. And a lot of teams are understanding that you don't have to go out and make that big free agent signing. You have to grow from within. And Hendrick's done it. Uh, Gibbs has done it only to have it unravel and go to Penske. But, uh, you know, w- we'll see how it goes. But Ford is going to have to prove it this year because it's at a rate where Toyota and Chevy have, like, kind of boat race them a bit so
0: oh that's something we're gonna see for sure um uh with a lot of the the younger guys i think the weight is on i mean harvick of course is the face i think harvick and Lugano, are the two faces for Ford on the veteran side of things. And now Logano can um, take over as, you know, the de facto leader of Penske racing, because it was Brad, because he had been there and he had won a championship before Joey even came there. He called one of many people who called for Joey to get in. Um, Now that he's gone, he's the leader of that team. How that dynamic will be him and Paul Wolf. um, You know, there's gonna be uh, Jonathan Hassler actually is moving over to ryan blaney uh this year he was at the 21 car last year for a portion of the year so at least he'll get a driver upgrade um with ryan blaney um other than that um the two cars everything is the same outside of um gumby taking over for um for uh, brad and then you know you look at the whole one car basically the ganassi one car team for the most part moved over to Brad's six car um for this year um to replace whatever the heck they had there. Um the seventeen I think kind of stayed around the same. Um, you know, the, in Stuart Haas there's still a lot of um stability. So Clayton, I'll put it this to you. Does stability actually play, um, uh, make a, a, a difference? Is that a factor? Is that a positive factor, even with an off year on the Ford side? Um, or are we looking at, I mean, Blickensdurfer, as I said, will be moving um, to the 10. Um, Blake Harris will move from his longtime role as a car chief at Martin Truex's Toyota team, um, first at Furniture Row under um, Cole Pern and then um, James Small. Uh, to now be the crew chief of um, McDowell's car at the um, 34 team, uh, Seth Barber will be working with a new driver, of course, and Todd Gilland, who's um, one rookie of the year by default. Uh, but will stability help Ford with this new car? Or are we looking at a similar situation um, to many years over the past many decades where Ford um, gets run over by Chevrolet and in this case, Toyota too.
3: Well, I I hate to say this, but you touched on it, I think, Philip. And that to me is the most important thing about Ford is they're big three. To me, they have three drivers right now who have to step up and the pressure's on. That's Harvick, Logano, and Ryan Blaney. And Blaney had a good year last year, no question. Won three races, but he's going to do better than that. Logano hasn't been great the last couple of years. He he took a nosedive in the playoffs this year. And we know what Harvick did last year. And You know, you're sitting there waiting a little bit on, on um, Chase Briscoe. No question. I think Briscoe has talent, but is, is year two going to be the year where we see Briscoe take a a peek up? Absolutely. It's going to have to be. Um, Kozlowski, I, I just don't know. You know, the good thing is he's bringing in, I think, better people. I mean, Roush to me, if I'm everybody in that organization, uh, they should be on high alert because Brad's going to come in there and he's gonna, he knows what it takes to win races. He knows what it takes to have a a, a solid organization. Um, so he's going to sit there and he's going to say, "Listen, this guy, uh, you know, we need we need to improve here. We need to improve here. Bringing in Matt McCall is going to help a lot." Um, but is that going to make a huge difference here in your difference here in year one? I'm not so sure. Uh, I, I just think Ford right now is sort of in an in between state with their drivers. I'm not in love with Custer. Um, you know, Eric Amarola is in a lame duck year and he's not that great to begin with. Let's be honest. Um, you know, he's got a few wins here and there, but, he, you know, in that team, that team needs to to to, you know, win some races consistently. And, you know, you still like I said, you have a young Busher who had a Briscoe, excuse me, who hasn't won yet. Um, so. You know, you're basically putting all of Stuart Haas's eggs in the Harvard basket right now. Um, they need to improve that going forward. Um, and and I'm interested to see what Todd Gilliland does, because this is the third driver now that Front Row's had in that 38 car in three consecutive years, who's been a younger guy who they kind of, you know, sit there and go, what is he going to give us? You know, John Hunter and Imechek, obviously, did, had, showed signs of brilliance, but wrecked a lot. I thought, what's-his-face had an awful year last year. Uh, fast Pasta, Anthony Alfredo, Alfredo. yep yeah he had a horrible year last year in that car and now you got Todd Gilland, who was pretty good in trucks last year. I wouldn't say you know he lit the world on fire, but he was pretty good. Um, and I'm not sure they're waiting on him this year to to you know take make a major run, but maybe a long distance kind of two or three year ride there and maybe yeah. can put him into a a, a good Ford ride um if he can show that he can you know run the top 20 consistently over there Sure. Um, but Ford is a very interesting, it's very interesting because you need Logano and you need Blaney to really shine. And, and the one other factor about Ford that, that I don't think we've touched on yet is Austin Cedric's uh, road course prowess. And yep. you know, we, we have a lot more road courses on the Cup schedule than we ever had before. And he's a, he is a tremendous, and I'm, I'm, I'm slighting him by saying tremendous. Yeah. He is a tremendous road course racer. And so while he might struggle, on the oval tracks and getting his feet wet into the cup series i think he can very much hold his own in the cup series with this new car and the other thing is you know when we look at at road courses you know a lot of people always point to now well Hendrick motorsports is it's got the dominant road course team it's going to completely change with this new car so um you know that is i think an underrated factor as far as uh is concerned i think he's gonna be very competitive the one hire i didn't understand and i don't mean to slight him i know phil spain was very high on him Uh, i would have personally tried to keep him in the extremely series a couple of years i know he's bringing in some additional funding there for that 21 car but harrison burton uh you know he's a good young driver i love jeff i love his dad i thought his dad you know his dad was very underrated driver um just don't understand it you know Maybe they looked at it again as a long-term solution there. There wasn't a whole lot of of moves to go out and get a guy. But to me, I would have tried to go out and maybe try and and put an Eric Jones in that car and see if it could strike gold there. Um, Harrison Burton was a very interesting hire. And again, maybe it's the additional funding thing and Ford taking a long-term, a long, you know, we don't really have a a tremendous Xfinity Series team. So let's try and steal one of Toyota's drivers, put him in a cup car, keep him happy. Yeah, he might struggle for a couple of years, but at least he's going to be, you know, in a, in a competitive car, uh, I just thought the Harrison Burton, it was very interesting hire. Uh, no question the Harrison Burton moves. So, um, you know, to me, again, it, it's going to come down to really the big three, Harvick, Logano, and Blaney. And then what what can Cindric do on the road courses? Um, and, and, you know, if Brad can find himself competitive enough to where he can make the playoffs, I think he can. Uh, as far as, you know, 16 drivers and a lot to take in the playoffs, I think he might be consistent enough. I don't know if he's going to win uh, in, his, in his first year out. And if he does, that'd be tremendous. Uh, With that team, but um, that's really a four. They're sort of in a weird year right now because they have some nice drivers, but it's just everybody's sort of, you know, getting themselves into a situation where, you know, Brad's in his first year, uh, Cindric's in his first year, you know, they're almost in a transitional year here after a bad year. And then you got you you mentioned Harvick and, and Phils talked about it as well. Harvick, I don't think he's going to be around past 2023. So then you got to fill, figure out how you're going to fill that seat as well. So uh, a lot of moving parts for Ford here in the next couple of years. They got some big decisions
0: to make, no question. Yeah, there's pressure on the young guns uh, that are driving in Fords. There's four of them. You mentioned uh, all of them. Uh, I mean, I have my fandom uh, with one, uh, but then you with sin with the. Uh, Briscoe, But then you have Sindrick, you have Burton, and Todd Gilliland, who I think will be given a little more leeway um, in part because of the uh, family connections and how his father drove for Bob Jenkins for many years. And um, I think he'll be given the time to kind of develop um, if they're actually serious about being a proper cup organization um, in this new era of car let's switch gears from all the manufacturers to a driver um we talked about him uh, denny hamlin he um has been a guy who's been in this sport for many many years uh, he's won you know tons of races he's been a factor basically from the moment he's been in the cup series of uh, you know 46 wins and he's finished in the top five in points with the last three years. and he, what is it? four, uh, five, six, seven times in his career, for one during his rookie year, actually beating the record that Tony had. Um, uh, Tony finished fourth in points in his rookie year. Um, Danny finished third. Uh, Won two races, both at Pocono, uh, blew the left rear corner off of his car in one of those and spun out in a tunnel turn. But, um, I mean, Denny Hamlin's relevance as a driver, he's a great driver, he'd be a Hall of Famer, of course, in the NASCAR Hall of Fame parlance. Um, 46 wins and three Daytona 500s is gonna get you there. Uh, he's won at Darlington multiple times. He's won uh, what was the Winston 500. He's won uh, because I think Clayton agrees the same way I do. I think about the Winston Million races and have you won those? um Brickyard kind of gets you know plugged in there you could kind of plug in the Bristol night race he's won the Bristol night race um you know the there's he's won most of the big ones and of course being able to win Daytona means so much uh but I was thinking about this and I thought you know Phil he has one angle of it you know I can see both sides of it is Danny Hamlin's relevance at the end of the day of his career will he be more remembered for being the driver who's the FedEx driver who's won is going to end up winning 50 races more than likely in his career might be in the junior Johnson b- b- amount of wins to never win a championship and but he's still a great driver or are we going to remember him as being the guy that got michael jordan to put down some cash and go and say i'm going to go and invest in nascar at a time where nascar has been in a bad spot and in a bad time and to be fair i don't know if they're really out of it but convincing michael jordan to go and put money into this sport and build a team and give opportunities to the one african-american driver that's in the sport right now in the cup series of course rajah Karuth is going to be in the arca series this year um we got other african-american drivers um out there um, jesse abuji and emmett smith um in concussion protocol racing uh driving in a truck series this year or xfinity or whatever um running in 30th with um, mike Harmon and them but um you know the the is his relevance bigger as the driver or as the owner? I'm gonna go and start with you, Josh, and then I'm gonna pass to Clayton and Phil.
1: I think right now, I mean, even you know, speaking going into this year, like, I think Danny's relevance, I think he's still more relevant as a driver, you know, still known as the um, driver number 11 FedEx car. And he's, you know, he's been friends with a lot of celebrities over the years, and he had, uh, very many celebrities including michael jordan but now that he's got a team with michael jordan i think in the next few years i think he's going to become more known or you know more relevant uh being the owner of 2311 because uh, of course open the doors for you know michael jordan to get into the sport open the doors for uh bubba wallace to get in the sport um you know certainly more black drivers or um more you know black people for uh in general being involved in NASCAR, but you know, also expanding the uh, car base for uh, Toyota and giving you know, drivers uh, more opportunities outside of Joe Gibbs Racing and um, you know, other uh, organizations. And I think you know, over time, I think you're going to see uh, Gibbs grow into or um, 2311 grow into you know, from two cars this year. Possibly to four cars in the next couple of years, and that gives um, two extra cars, you know, from this year, that uh, and three from what they were last year, that can um, grow uh, and uh, you know have more drivers available, and certainly stabilize the pipeline for uh, TRD and the you know the issue that they've had for uh, young drivers overall. And um, yeah, I think that's going to end up being his um, relevance, and certainly uh, you know, it has his uh, stake in the sport, his foothold. Beyond being a driver, um, I think as a driver, um, he could end up being like Mark Martin, um, being the most successful driver to never win a championship in the Cup Series. You you look at his resume and that's the only thing that he hasn't won is a uh, a Cup Series championship. And, you know, he's had three Daytona 500 wins, um, multiple wins at other racetracks and, you know, certainly. He's a guy that's uh very popular and you know currently one of the few drivers that really has that reach beyond the sport. You know, he's um, you know, like he said, he's been uh, in music videos. He was in that uh video with um uh, I forgot his name. That was the the rapper. Um post Malone. Yeah, post Malone. Yeah, yeah. He's uh in that video with Bubba Wallace, you know, he's you know friends with um Barcel and Dave Portnoy and all those guys. And, you know, he's so he has that kind of reach and influence. So, um, he's certainly growing himself, but then I think in the future, I think, um, especially for the sport, he'll definitely be more relevant being an owner, having a stake in the sport and growing, um, uh, the sport as a whole.
0: Yeah. I mean, there, there is, I guess where you can take it from the perspective of now and yeah, he's still a relevant guy. You could go and, um, get that uh, fourth daytona 500 which he was close to for the last couple of years actually um make himself second of all time uh, second of all time in daytona 500 wins uh here in a few weeks time uh clayton i'll throw to you i mean you know the history of the sport like i do i mean frankly i think you know more uh history and you're a buff in that way uh you know bill elliott guy so your daytona 500 he was great at that race and Denny has shown to be great in that race in the last five, six years, actually. I mean, he did good work in that race before, but then over the last five, six years, he's been fortunate, but also been in a good spot. Uh, But is it, does Denny, I mean, I think Denny Hamlin has become a bigger voice in the sport now than what he was Prior to becoming car owner Denny Hamlin, um, I think he had a voice, and I'm sure people listened. And he's won forty something races and has been a contender for many years. And of course FedEx believes in him enough that that he's never going to lose a sponsor. Um, but to be fair, FedEx isn't sponsoring the whole year anymore either, um, which is what they were doing for a decade and a half. Um, he's looking for other ask- other sponsors like OfferPad and whatever. Um, to go and work with him to fill out the season. I mean, is Danny Hamlin's relevance bigger as a car owner for this sport, or does his presence as a driver still matter to you um, in regards to um, what's going on, at least in 2022?
3: Well, it's a good question, and and uh, I think it's sort of I'm going to take a, a stand of we're going to wait and see. There's a lot to to talk about with this, and one of the things is is his Cup career statistically is very hard to top as a driver. I mean, you talked about it. It's almost got 50 wins. I mean, that's, yeah, what, 15 guys in history maybe have 50 wins? I mean, that's incredible. Three Daytona 500s. Uh, you know, you, if you win another one, you put yourself in with two, two names, Petty and Kelly Arbor. That's it, if he wins another Daytona 500. Uh, and if he gets a championship, you know, great. But that that's a damn tough career to top. And when you look at his ownership deal, we've seen a lot of drive. I mean, a lot of a lot of famous people come into this sport. Brett Favre, Mark Rippon, uh, you know, Troy Aikman and Roger Stahlbach. I mean, the names go on and on and on over since, you know, Julius Ervin or 30 years, Julius Ervin. All these guys have come into this sport. And it was short lived. And for one reason or another, um, aside from Joe Gibbs, Joe Gibbs has really been the only kind of celebrity who really established himself before he got the NASCAR uh, and then bought into a team. Everybody else has kind of faded um, for one reason or another. And this new car has certainly, I think, changed the um, business model of this sport immensely. And it's going to change the business model of sport immensely. Um, and if that's the case, and if this car does what it is supposed to do, which is you know give these owners uh, a break on these race cars, give these owners you know give them a little bit more you know bang for their buck per se. If that's what it does, and Michael Jordan's here for the long haul, Michael Jordan's here for a decade. And again, they can say all that and they can plan all that. But until that happens, um, you know, I don't think we will know. But if that's the case, then he will absolutely be more known as an owner because that's going to change the game. Uh, you know, Michael Jordan is a huge guy. And, you know, Bo Wallace is a, is a really good young driver. And who knows if he would have gotten the opportunity or not without Denny Hamlin and Michael Jordan. But he is now in a premier ride. And let's, let's lay him on the line. That is a premier ride. That is, you know, I, I think Josh touched on it a little earlier that that you can look at those cars now next year as fifth and sixth Joe Gibbs Racing cars almost. So you know Bubba had an opportunity with RPM, but they're middle of the road opportunity at best. Now he's in a premier ride, and he did it with you know doing pretty well. Uh, but he did it without one of the Xfinity Series race. He won a couple of truck races. So, but this is an opportunity for him to shine. Um, and if he can do that, and Bubba can can take that you know and run with it and we get a little bit more diversity in this sport as far as drivers are concerned as far as ownerships concerned even as far as like crew chiefs and crew members are concerned then absolutely we will look at Denny Hamlin as a guy who changed the sport immensely as a car owner but until i see it and and again i'm not saying that i don't trust bubba wallace because i do i trust a lot of the, a lot of people the thing i'm i'm still kind of a little concerned about is is the business model changed? Because when we brought the the even the COT out in two thousand and eight, that was what this was supposed to do. A lot of people said, "Well, you know, you're going to bring be able to bring this COT back and run these car COT cars everywhere. You know, you can you can run the same car at every racetrack, and it's going to cost cut the costs immensely." And it didn't do that uh, at all. If I made that problem worse, so until we see that financially and and um, you know it changes it, then then I you know to me, he'll be always be looked at as a driver, but um he is very, very close. And we are two years away from really saying he's absolutely changed the sport and he will be known more as a driver. I think absolutely. Or as an owner, excuse me. I think absolutely. But again, that, that is hinging on I think 2022 and maybe even 2023 until we really get our hands around this new car and see if it's changed the business model. See if Michael Jordan's here for a long haul, see if, you know, if it helps uh bring in more, Diverse drivers who are good drivers, um, and that's the key—good, not just diverse. Because I, I think that's part of the problem why we haven't seen a female driver uh, really succeed a lot. Is we don't look for at least on a female side, and this is going to sound awful, and I don't mean it to, but we don't look for exactly the most talented female drivers. We look at how they look on TV, and yep. that that has to stop because we don't do that with 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 the male drivers. We don't look and say, "Well, he's a good-looking guy. We need to throw him in a race car." No, no, we don't do that. We say they're hell of a race car driver. They need to be racing. Um, and that's for all diverse, you know, diverse people. Uh, we need to put the best drivers and the best equipment. And uh, the problem is with this sport is it's very, very expensive. So, um, you know, and, and you need backing. Uh, and so it, it certainly makes this sport, um, I, I think, better in the long haul if we can get diverse in more diverse in this sport, no question. Um and I think again to answer your question and, and I, I kinda of got off track there, but um I think he will in a couple of years be looked at as a as an owner, better owner than he as a driver for sure. More impactful I should say.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's it's a good discussion for now. Honestly, we only have one year of twenty three eleven, uh Phil, and you as the resident uh Bubba Mark. I don't have to be a Bubba Mark in this uh situation um but you know Bubba's situation changed exponentially once you know michael jordan put his hand down and said hey i want you as my driver he he could have picked anybody let's be fair here it's michael jordan he ran a super bike team he was he had you know he had suzuki bikes and they were from the same team that was winning every uh championship And he was able to pick his riders He had great riders Won races, wasn't able to win championships He decided because Denny told him Let's do this Let's go and start a cup team And he chose Bubba to start it Of course now they have Kurt which I think is the game changer. Kurt, who's been through, I don't know how many freaking teams in his career because of his um, Sterling personality, um, but also because of his talent. Um, the fact of the matter is he's on probably his last year of his career. I mean, he wants to go and, and spend plenty of time with the smoking odd wife. God bless him. Um, but the reality is I think his last he, – he signed – Denny has signed – Kurt, because kurt wants to stay in the sport too and kurt kind of is the way he's been saying things in the media is like oh i can build something here so the point is it sounds like danny and kurt are like yeah we're gonna work together we're gonna build this team together and it might also connect with kyle so who knows i mean i'm, I'm kind of getting out of you know am probably taking it out of context for now but there there are a lot of connections there and I mean, I think you can look at it. I mean, I know you can look at it in one way for sure. But, I mean, Denny, to me, at this point, he's won three, 500. He's won virtually everywhere. I think there's maybe one of the majors he hasn't had. I don't figure he's going to ever win a championship. I don't think he's going to win a championship this year. But, you know, like the guy said, whether it's Mark Martin, whether it's Junior Johnson, you don't have to be a champion to be a great, to actually have relevance in this sport. Not only as a driver, uh, but to me, I think Denny Hamlin's relevance, I mean, Clayton said it might take two or three years. It will be bigger as an owner. I don't know about you, though. Um, you tell me what you're thinking about Denny Hamlin's relevance as we go in from what he did last year and what we go into this 2022 year since he has a multi-year deal.
2: Gotcha. Um you know, looking at Denny, and especially with his career, like you say, the only thing he hasn't really done is win a championship. He's been close. He's been on the, you know, on the brink, on the cusp. You know, he's been, you know, cut tires, flat tires. You know, you name it. Away from winning a championship, big piece and, of tape on the grill. mm mm-hmm, Too much to have blowing the engine. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It, for him, I think he's not going to stop. Until he gets that championship, I, you know, somebody like me or you, you know, we we'd be okay with fifty wins. You know, we'd be okay with one win. Hell, you know, but um, you know, we'd be okay with you know fifty plus wins. You know, three Daytona 500s, a Brickyard. You know, just all of these big accolades. And yeah, just
0: give me one Daytona 500 and I'll quit. That that that's there, it that.
2: that yeah, that's it. That's me. That's um, one more than
0: Tony Stewart has. So so I'll take that. <laughs>
2: Same yeah, amount so, as Davey
0: and Ernie, uh, who are two of my favorite drivers. And one right. more than, than Rusty Walls, Terry Labani, um, Bobby Labani. Um, they're all Hall of Famers. I'm trying to right. go through all the other Hall of Famers, so it, it means something.
2: All right. Yeah. So. For, for Denny, and this is the thing that I struggle with, though, with Denny with his career, you know, he's, you could say the best of his generation, you know, guys that started around 2006, 2007, you know, when he first came up, did I expect him to, you know, be what he's become? Not exactly. You know, I mean, he went out and won the Bud shootout his first time out. Uh, you know, that was impressive in its own right. But you know, from there, I could have just said, oh, well, that's just, uh, yeah, it's a plate base. It's a non-points pan thing. Anybody can win the bud shootout. But um, just to see what he's grown into. And like you said, with him kind of finding his footing and finding his voice, whereas, you know, maybe 10 years ago, you would say Denny would have just fell in with the crowd. He would have just been quiet. But now when you look at Denny, who's the first person to speak up when there's something going on in the uh, garage area? It's Denny. You know who's the one that's going to be the outspoken one uh, when it comes to things that are wrong with a car or the the quality of what's going on at his team. It's Denny, you know, as much as it used to be, and I mean, and it still is. Cal Bush, you know, Denny, you can say is the the leader over at uh, JDR, but for him, I think, like like we say, he's going to get in the Hall of Fame no matter what, but. I struggle with the thought of would his, is his ownership career going to, you know, over, you know, kind of top all of that. And it's all going to depend on how, like we say, the next few years go for 2311. You know, when you contact a guy like Michael Jordan to get in a racing and he goes out and he says, oh, we want. You know we're going to go out and win two and three races a season. That was a big responsibility. And I know that first part of last year, that was a lot of weight on not just Bubba, but it was on Denny. Because here's Denny putting himself in this. And, you know, the car is running 16th to 20th, whereas we're saying, oh, we're going to go and contend for wins. And I don't know if that played into a part of the towards the end of last year for him. Maybe it did. But You know, it it just felt like Denny was pressured and all of that. And maybe now, because he doesn't have to sit there and kind of babysit Bubba. And I I don't want to say that he babysat Bubba for anything, because Bubba could handle his own. He's been a Cup Series driver before. But just trying to get used to those people, because most of those people were people that came from JGR. And they've even stated that most of that team was people that were at uh, Levine Family Racing before that. So, you know, it, it it's it's gonna like we say, next two or three years, yeah, maybe he does. But in a way, do people wanna say, Oh, is that Denny's doing or is that Michael's doing? You know, you you're gonna have those people that are saying Oh, well, you know, if he didn't have Michael Jordan, if it was Denny Hamlin racing, yeah, okay, that's going to overtake it. But I think in this case, and this is kind of like a big statement to say, but if you think about Denny's career and his numbers and all of that, he's kind of what you would think Jeff Gordon would have been if he just went into ownership and didn't, you know, decide he wanted to be the vice president of, uh, of uh, uh henry you know it, it looks as if where he's got the number and he's got the uh the success behind it but you know he is that madison avenue guy now you might as well say because you look at any other spots in the sport or you know you there are no other people other than maybe you could say like him or bubba that stand out i mean you get guys like Blaney and some of the younger guys, but still some of them don't want to do everything. They're still being controlled by PR people. You look at Denny. Denny listens to his PR person, but still does what he wants to do. Bubba listens to PR. You know, Uh, Bubba will probably tell you he'll listen to Denny more than he listens to anybody. Uh, You know, because that's why he doesn't spend time on social media because Denny told him not to. Uh, You know, but as far as with Kurt and everything, that's going to be, I'd say, I don't know, because I'm, I'm not sure Kurt's contract, but I know he wants to build something. But as far as building it, I think when he says that, I think he knows that he can be that mentor, you know, and even when he retires, he's still going to stick around. You know, he may do like, a, a you know, a one-off race every year for that team, you know, or run some sort of R&D, you know, with them. But, you know, it's just uh, they're going to have to build through TRD and, of course, through Gibbs and everything. And it's just all going to be about seat time at that point. You know, everybody always thought that Harrison Burton might have ended up in the 45. I still think, you know, that could be a possibility at some point. You know, maybe that I don't know how long the uh, Wood Brothers deal is for him, but that could have been you know, a situation where you just getting the seat warm and making sure. But like you say, within the next year, well, I'd say next three years, they're going to be a four car team. Uh, but and then lies in that, you know, the struggles and the growing pains of three and four cars, because not everybody's going to get the same materials. You know, you see that even at Hendrick, you know, your worst driver won four. Well, okay, your worst driver won two races last year. Wait, well, how, how many races did Byron win? He only did. He only win one, or did
1: I think he win? only won one. Yeah, yeah well, I think it was your was worst,
2: one. yeah, your worst driver only won one race, but he had consistency. But I don't know. You know, it's the future for Denny. I would love to say that his driving driving career should be front and center more than the uh, than the team career, honestly, but. That'll be, that'll be remain to be seen. Like you say, depending on who's next, you know, yeah. who else can we pull out to, uh, you know, start a team, you know, the because the, you see all of the NFL guys that are now uh, interested in uh, NASCAR or some of the basketball players that are even talking about watching races and things. So.
0: Brandon Marshall. And then, mm-hmm.
2: yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. And I think if they invest with some good people, you know, never know. It, the sky's the limit, and I think, like you say with the next general car uh, we're gonna we'll see more people, but hopefully it doesn't end up like you say like the c o t where you know it just worked at one track, and then if you took it to another track, you had to do something else with it so but I
0: guess we'll find out I mean Eric Jones was already running a Sam Horner special uh this afternoon at Daytona oh Uh, man
2: that thing was twisted
0: i mean (laughs) i mean mean, twisted skewed i mean yeah that i mean i always called the gen 4 car the lobster um but they call them twisted sister cars they didn't look anything like a stock car because they were so arrowed out and the whole arrow push and arrow loose thing came along uh we never heard that crap uh because the cars were lifted prior to the gen 4 on the front end with coil coil binding and that whole bit I think I'm gonna end this we're gonna end this uh episode over here because we're running out of time uh because I'm not gonna keep my guests that long I don't know about Josh but I know we got other stuff we can talk about but um we'll see where we'll go with that we'll talk off the side over here but this last topic the significance of first-time winners now of course, um, it makes me nauseous to say this, that um, Michael McDowell is the defending Daytona 500 champion um, after he ran over uh, two-thirds of Penske racing. Um, but Jesus, um, he prayed to Jesus. He did his Hail Marys and um, prayed the rosary and um, sat there at the, uh, with whatever, whoever the heck, the, I, I forget the old guy that used to do the um, thing for the MRO. Um, he always used to, um, uh, I'm, I'm trying to Hal Marchman. Yeah. Hal Marchman, yeah. shalom and all Amen. um, going and, 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 and saying all them hail Mary's, um, all of, I mean, he probably went to, he went to confession during Easter and said, yep, I wrecked Brad. Um, and he took out, um, Joey, but, um, I did it for a reason. And then he decided to baptize Matthew Benedetto in his pool. Um, so then he just canceled that out um, so that I mean, okay, uh, he's just an interesting character. Um, he's a mediocre road racer that's on our another as more Daytona 500s and Tony Stewart. Um, okay. Uh, and then Baba won at Talladega. Uh, that was rain shortened and made a lot of people mad. Um, the same people that are chanting a certain thing, a certain slogan. Which I think we could have another discussion. Um, we'll plan for that here, uh, maybe in a couple weeks' time, in as a lead up to the clash. Um, in regards to that particular slogan and idiots that um, wear a certain hat, um, referencing that, um, the fact of the matter is um, we're talking about you know Bubba and what happened with him and getting that win at home in the state of alabama um the emotion he showed the um, you know booty barker finally getting his first cup win as a crew chief after all he's done in his career and what he's went through in his life and then um colleague racing uh you know getting that win albeit through whatever circumstances you want to call the nonsense that was the indianapolis road course race Um, A.J. adderall going and getting that dub, getting his second career win um, there at Indianapolis. Um, Matt Collig showing why he's one of the only people that's actually invested in this sport. Um, Those, I think, in each one has their own significance. I think the the McDowell, personally, the McDowell one doesn't have much significance to me, other than he just ran somebody over, because that's kind of like what he's done his whole entire career. um, Because... You know he made the playoff, but he wasn't relevant. The other two have way more significance, though, in my mind. But um, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go Clayton, Phil, and Josh on this one. I'm gonna go Clayton. Um, you're the front row motorsports um, guy. Uh, you put up with one of your drivers driving for them for many years. Um, they're a team that has been kind of on the, they went from being a start and park team to now being a team that's won the Daytona 500 um, and is a plate specialist. They make their they make their name at the plate tracks and the road courses, at least with McDowell. And uh, he was able to somehow or another pull that off in that spot. Um, but yeah, there was three significant first time victors in, uh, 2021 in the cup series. Um, what are your thoughts on them? Um, as we go into what they, what happened then and, and then what's going to happen now, um, coming into 2022.
3: So, yeah, no, it was a, uh, I mean, no doubt McDowell's I think surprised me the most because, you know, you come from a front row motorsports team and you look at what they did, um, you know. I would have never thought he won a Daytona 500, but um, you know, to me, the Daytona 500, and I don't want to get into uh, too deep into this, but Daytona 500 now has turned into a race of survival more than anything. Um, And he was there at the end and he was able to win. Uh, But the other couple of drivers, you know, to me, uh, Christopher Bell, you know, I guess I would have thought he would have won last year, but I was surprised at where he won last year. Um, You don't think of him as a road course racer, you know, And I guess it's because we don't really have a ton of them. We didn't really have a ton of them. Now we got more, obviously. Um, So, you know, that was kind of surprising. You would expect him to win somewhere, maybe on a mile and a half. But he was able to go out and and pull off a win uh, and do some, you know, have a decent, decent season. But, yeah, you know, um, and and to me, Bubba, that was a a very – listen, he deserves all the credit in the world for his win. Uh, There's no question. He was up there. He had a really, really fast car. Um, and he's going to have a really fast car this year. He's going to have a really fast car in the 2,500. He's probably going to be one of the top, top five or top ten picks to win that race. Um, and because you, you Toyotas are going to be really strong, he's going to be really fast There's no question. Uh, but, yeah, it, it, to me, that's, that's the most um, – just because of everything behind it. You mentioned Booty Barker, too. That was such a, so nice to see. Booty had so many years on the pit box you know, with, uh, with Haas, and then he went to, to the to 13 car for a while. Uh, it was so nice to see him go out and, and you know, with his with everything that, that physically that's, um, you know, what he's had to overcome in his career. Uh, great to see him go out and win as well. So that one to me was was the most special one. And, and to see a new team win, um, you know, Front Row had won in the past. You mentioned Buescher. David Reagan had won in the past. Um, you know, the 23-11 team, you know, it gives us a thousand races. Um, but the 23-11 team had never won before. So for them to, to pull off a victory, uh, that to me was the most impressive one. And, and looking ahead to 2022, I kind of touched on this earlier, but I think the guy you really got to look out for to win a race this year is Austin Cindric. And I, again, it's just because he's so good on the road courses. Uh, he's really found his niche and, and this car is going to be, I, I think it's going to change the game. I think it's going to take a lot of people who have an extensive Stock car background on the road course. I think it's going to change. It's going to completely drive differently on a road courses than anything they've driven before. And Cinder's got more of a sports car background and this. I think that car, this car is going to kind of show that a little bit. So he might have the upper advantage, upper hand there uh, immensely. So, um, yeah, listen, I think of all the young guys, you know, Gillland, we'll see what he does. I don't, I don't really see him when, um, you know, Briscoe, uh, I would like to see him improve, but I'm not sure that team's going to improve to a point to where they're going to be winning races. Uh, but yeah, so, you know, absolutely. I think Cindric's going to be the guy to, to be able to pull off a win and and, um, and, and get the victory lane
0: this year for the first time. Yeah, it'll be something to see. I mean, I forgot about Cindric being a rookie. So he's going to be the rookie of the year. Sorry. Um, Phil, I know which one matters to you the most. Um, it's the one that matters to me the most too. Uh, I think I was on cloud nine for at least a week after that. Uh, it meant a lot more, not just in the racing parlance for what it meant. It meant way more. Um, and you're a fan, you know the history, you, you get it but there's something different with what happened at Talladega in October. I'm not trying to put any words in your mouth, but I know there's three first-time winners in 2021, but there was a special significance to that moment on that Monday afternoon.
2: Yeah, yeah, and and it was. Um, you know, that was just a culmination of a lot of things for Bubba in that moment. Um, you know, wondering, would that moment ever come? And, you know, when he kind of was the odd man out at Roush, you know, I I think there was that that time when we thought, oh, well, this may not happen, you know, but then he gets the call from uh, Richard Petty Motorsports to come drive when Al got hurt. And then to get that ride full-time the following year, and then just to see him build onto that and then go and, uh, you know, do this thing with uh, MJ and Denny, and then to see him, you know, be con uh, you know, towards the second half of the season after uh Wheeler went back to being competition director, um, just to see him be more consistent and be kind of better about not taking it out on his crew. Because, you know, listening to the radio some Sundays, you'd hear, you know, him and Wheeler go back and forth and then Wheeler would go to Channel 2 and go talk to Freddie to tell him to calm him down. And it's like, this is your driver, you know, take him. Uh, but you know the significance of that win like you say it was more than just significant in racing you know it was a significant moment in history for NASCAR significant uh, moment in African American history as well you know it's only the second NASCAR win for an African American driver uh, in the cup series Um, but and kind of to backtrack, like what you were saying about with the uh, three different first time winners, all of them kind of had their own allure to it. Like we know Front Row has been there before. They, they've won, they haven't won the, they hadn't won the Daytona 500 before that, but they had won ever races, but that was at least, you know, years in the past. And you can still say somewhat, they're a small team, you know, even though they have a shop that's big enough for them to be a consistently better team than what they are. But, um, and then when, like you say, you look at Collig and how Matt Collig and Chris Rice and how they just, that team just has fun. You know, well, even if it's in the Xfinity series, they just, they don't, it's just like a bad finish doesn't hurt that team. They show up every week. And I'm expecting them, you know, I, there's going to be growing pains in the Cup Series. You know, I think they kind of lucked out last year because they had a guy like AJ Allmendinger behind the wheel at the uh, road course that when given the opportunity to pounce, he was able to do it. Um, and, you know, you may see him do it again because I, I think he's supposed to run a few of those uh, races that they're going to have with the second car. But
0: Yeah, that's that car is going to have him and Hemrick. And then um, uh, Gagson driving this year. So, um, I mean, uh, if they, as long as they have stuff left over after what Gagson does, uh, Almaninger will be able to do some work. I figure also Hamrick will be interesting because I'm pretty sure that's what they're lining up. Uh, But. Trying not to break news here, even though it wouldn't really be breaking news. You're getting a defending defending Xfinity Series champion uh driving their flagship car, um, and their guy who drove that car for the last two years is in the Cup Series, and Hamrick's young. He has Cup experience, right. uh, and he was. I don't remember how the Rookie of the Year deal went a couple of years ago, but um, the fact of the matter is he's capable and they'll uh, have the equipment too but yeah um when it comes to colleague they're definitely someone who they're one of the only things that are out there one of the only teams that are out there organically made um, businessman coming from whatever putting up gutters and crap and then now you're talking about putting a, kind of a, a um, empire uh, because he hired good people and built it the right way it kind of got I mean, I think I don't know about you, Clayton. It kind of got old RCR vibes. It's kind of got old school vibes to them. What um, colleagues bringing to the table? Before I go back to Phil here for a
3: second. Yeah, listen, they're they are a, a team. What I love about them is they're committed. You know, I was a little worried at first uh, that they were going to be sort of the that owner who got in liked liked the sport but was going to leave. You know, and you were like, Ugh, I hope they don't leave because they were solo corporation and didn't really have a ton of success originally and then they expanded and they expanded to you brought in some really good like you said brought in some really good people brought in some really good race car drivers and uh somebody i didn't mention earlier but justin haley he's he's been a pretty good driver for them he's gonna be running for rookie of the year this year as well uh he could be a guy to keep an eye on i'm curious to see how he's gonna do but i I like that team there's no question they're they're a team that um they're gonna probably lean on rcr a little bit you know because they sort of like you said, fit that mold. They also have a working relationship with them. I believe their shops on the ground at yeah. Richard Childress Racing in in uh, Welcome, North Carolina. There, um, so you know, they're they're a fun team. They're going to be fun to keep an eye on and see how, just how far they can take this. Um, I don't know how many investors they have. Matt collig It's great to see. It's great to see somebody as committed as him. Uh, he reminds me a little bit of to, to a much more competitive degree, though. Um, of Bob Jenkins for Front Row. Now, Bob has poured a lot of money into this operation, but Bob's done it sort of his own way. That's what Front Row's kind of, you know, I think Phil Spain touched on a little bit, um, that they're a big shop. They are a big shop and they should be running. If you look at financially, they should be running better than what they are. But the reason why they weren't is because they didn't want to go the Barney Visser route where they were relying um on a uh a you know a bigger team to supply chassis form and to be in, in a, an association with them they kind of wanted to do it their own way where matt collig's kind of been the hybrid of that they're still doing it their own way but they're kind of relying on richard childress racing as well with the engines and stuff like that so um that to me would be the ideal spot and how competitive they're going to be cup this year i'm dying to see um but listen they're a team that i think five years down the road ten years down the road they're going to be part of the solution of well, we have a lot of older owners in cup series in the cup series with, you know, J- Richard Petty, uh, Joe Gibbs, Richard Childress, Rick Hendrick, Jack Roush, we had a, you know, five years ago, th- those were the guys and we didn't really have, well, where are the new owners coming from? Now you have, you know, Michael Jordan and Matt Collins is going to be part of that solution now Um, in the next five years to where he's going to be here and he's going to be here and he's going to be very competitive. So uh,
0: it is going to be fun to see what that team can pull out there here in 2022 yeah absolutely. um Phil, I wanted to go and throw back to you in regards to um did you have anything else to add on that particular topic uh before I go over to Josh?
2: uh well, just to kind of finish the dot on that um you know the three winners that we had last year, each of them had a different road to uh to the cup series, you know. For Michael McDowell, you know, we know his past and we've known where he's raced at and, you know, kind of being the test dummy for, uh, you know, MWR for a little bit. And then uh, even though, even when he was driving for the Levines when they were first getting in. Um, and then, like I said earlier with Bubba, his story from kind of the cast off at roush to where he's at now and then you look at all aj's gone through you know aj looked like he had a great thing going with uh the doherty family and everything uh, you know the geschichters and uh brad doherty you know and then uh, kind of have to take a back seat you know and makes this relationship with uh matt collard and it's just like he's a whole new person you know a whole new driver and you know he's gonna go back to the Xfinity series this year I don't know if I'll if we'll ever see him run cup full-time again you know could be a possibility maybe you know a year and a half from now you know when when they start if they decide to you know move to three cars or something like that but um yeah so I mean everybody you know, with the exception—I say the exception of McDowell—everybody um, kind of deserved. But you, you know, you can't really say they deserved it. But you know, everybody earned it. You know, whether it's wrecking half a crowd or you know being in the right place at the right time. So
0: that's that's the way to put. It. I I I give you credit on that. That's the way to put it. You know, uh, especially when it comes to McDowell it's gonna get to me for a long time Uh, especially if uh baba Bui doesn't win daytona ever uh josh yeah i mean we talked about Dega um in detail here we talked about um the daytona 500 Um, we also (laughs) talked about how um mainly because my driver had a chance to win at indianapolis which he wanted to win back-to-back races there but yeah when it comes to what um last year was in the cup series, those three teams those three wins had significance in their own special way.
1: Yeah, I mean it's definitely significant in, in, in any way I mean you know we talk about Michael McDowell and his um you know the way he won that race and kind of his background but you know they one thing to mention about him is is I guess not excellence or prowess on the super speedway races, but with especially the way that he's been able to race those tracks, um, even if he didn't win that race, he's sort of become a a pretty solid restrictor plate racer, super speedway racer. And I mean, I remember reading uh, in the athletic uh, Jeff Gluck and Jordan Bianchi, both or one of them picked uh, McDowell to be the uh, dark horse favorite. Um, and they brought up his record at, at the tracks and at, you know, Daytona and Talladega, and he's had a pretty solid record. Um, so at least it was, um, you know, kind of there you get, I mean, the way it happened. Yeah. We don't really like it. He kind of, you know, ran over the leaders and everything, but I mean, he at least Uh, Up to that point, you know, put himself into that position to um, have an opportunity or a shot to win the race um, in that. And then, of course, you know, Bubba Ball is being, you know, first African American since Wendell Scott in, you know, 1963 and everything. And really the modern era of NASCAR, of course, we say uh, the modern era is uh, 1972 and onward when, you know, Winston and RJ Reynolds took over the series uh, uh, title sponsorship and everything. So, of course, pretty significant there because, um, you know, it, you know, reaches out to, um, shows that, you know, we have, a you know, the bubble Wallace finally winning in the series. Um, you know, finally, even though yeah, it did come in the rain, but up to that point, you know, he put himself, you know, like McDowell in a way, you know, put himself in position and raced aggressively. And, and, you know, he's also sort of become pretty good at the restrictor plate tracks as well. And so, you know, it wasn't just, Oh, he got lucky and won in the rain. No, he, Raced his way up into the lead and and managed to get there in time for when the rain took place and and got his uh first win that way. So um, and I think you know growing, going forward, uh, I think Bubba will continue to grow and especially having a teammate with um, Kurt Bush, I think it's going to be able to take a lot from Kurt and you know be able to um, help himself in his career and you know become you know more consistent and and um, become the good, very good driver that, you know, we think he can be and, you know, and everything. And then, you know, going with Chris Bell, of course, you know, won his first race at Daytona road course. And, um, you know, I, I, I saw that race in person and, um, you know, it was kind of shocking to see him win, uh, that race. And I think that one was, you know, more of, yeah, he had a, a better car, uh, than Joey Logano at the end of that race. And, um, you know, was able to take the lead and then eventually win. So, um that that one almost doesn't feel like a, a first win i guess because um chris bell has almost been around in the series for or not in the series but you know in in the top 3 series for a while you know going back to 2015 when he started uh truck series with uh joe gibbs racing and everything or with um you know with uh kate kbm in the truck series in 2015 so that was um you know kind of his i guess um introduction into the cup series finally being and joe gibbs you know his uh second race driving for joe gibbs in the cup series and gets his first career win there uh so i mean that's still pretty significant in everything and then you know with uh colleague they they've had their success in the xfinity series and they've you know like i said they've been kind of doing it their own way and they're kind of an outsider but you know they have the uh connections there with rcr and you know they've been able to kind of build their way up into having a cup series team. And you saw that this year they entered a bunch of one-off races and um, you know, they had Almendinger in there for the road courses to help them uh build up their program there. And now they've purchased two charters and they're going cup full time in both of them, of course, and they have, you know, one car full time with Haley and then the other is the star car with uh gregson and hamrick and Almendinger. So um it shows that I think for all three, it shows that you know, the, at least we can have different winners in the Cup Series. You know, um, and we've kind of gotten used to the same winners, uh, the same teams winning. You know, Hendrick and Gibbs, Penske. You know, Chase Elliott, um, Kyle Busch, Danny Hamlin, all those guys. And I mean, even Kyle Larson uh, now having you know been dominant last year. So I think the more you know, new teams that we get into the sport, you know, more new drivers, um, regardless of you know who they are, that can come in and win. I think that's pretty significant.
0: Yeah, it definitely is. It's something that um, we have to look at in regards to um, moving towards 2022. Um, I figure I'll ask the question when, uh, to everybody. We can do it live. I don't care. We'll do it live. I'll write it now and we'll do it live. Um, or do we have room for one more? Do you guys have time for one more question and leave it and call it a night? That works for me.
2: Sure. Yeah. I got All right.
0: It. So we got one more we all got one more in us I'm not so sort of sure if I have one more in me so it's kind of good that I'm the host i um, Clayton understands this so um as Clayton as the um hired um hired gun here today um just chilling um baby duty will um commence here in about 30 minutes time but um kale just like uh his namesake um I don't know if he has no neck like Cale um, Yarborough. I don't. I think he does have a neck, so I don't know if he'll be red, beat red like Cale Yarborough. I hope not. But, um, but the fact of the matter is I think he's a more patient soul than um, the legendary Cale Yarborough. Um, let me so share. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see about that. We'll see. Uh, it'll be nice hopefully one day here soon after all the Sands we'll get to meet the man um that will be running talking in circles or whatever that podcast or show will be um to be with his um uncle and his dad but either way we talked about gen 6 or gen 6 we talked about gen 7 um I, i i i always love i love the good the bad and the ugly i just like that um we'll leave it on this we're gonna get into the gen 7 car um i know you clayton your opinions on road racing are strong they're direct and they're consistent the gen 7 car is very um you know since jim france is a road racing guy um and they run imsa is very gt daytona-esque independent suspension five speed for whatever reason sequential gearbox um all kinds of other aspects this car um compared the gen 7 compared to what the gen 6 was i mean the gen 6 was a cluster um they made it look more like the regular car but then they changed the rules every year um from one year you'd have a big ass spoiler um just like dale jr said and then you would have high horsepower and you have no no spoiler little one two inch spoiler you have low horsepower then you have high horsepower with a low spoiler and you have low horsepower with a high spoiler i mean you we we got all kinds of changes coming with the gen 7. we got a single lug instead of the five lug nuts um you know all the the fact that this is basically a kit car in a lot of ways where a lot of vendors are providing the parts there isn't as much development uh, akin to what IndyCar is doing, and they've been able to build their grid up to be a pretty strong grid. Um, I'll let I'll let you go first, and then I'll go to Phil, and then end with Josh here in regards to thoughts on Gen Six, thoughts on Gen Seven, and you know what, whatever else you want to say. So my
3: thoughts on the Gen 7 is this. First things first, I um I understand as far as NASCAR going from a more of a traditional, you know, oval series to more road courses because that's what a lot of the majority of the fans wanted. No question. I don't think there was any question about that. Personally, I'm an old school fan, so I liked the that NASCAR was sort of different than Formula One, sort of different than sports cars, where they didn't really run road coursing courses. And I like that. Um, but that's changed and nothing I could do about it. Uh, but well, Chase 7, Elliott's
0: good at road courses. I think that's pretty yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: But this Gen 7's, the, there's some good things. I think it's going to help level the playing field. I think it's going to help, you know, if it does what it's supposed to do, it's going to help these owners immensely to where you can keep them in it. They're going to make a lot more money. Um, it's probably going to be a safer car. It's going to run better on the road courses. But what I'm worried about is, losing the team aspect of NASCAR a little bit. And that was the other part of NASCAR that I liked. And I'm not sure, again, I could be in the minority on that, like I am with uh, not wanting to see a lot of road courses, Um, where, you know, certain teams were building cars better than other teams. And that meant that team was going to run better in the next couple of weeks. Uh, Certain crew chiefs were smarter on how they set up a race car. And, you know, that meant different things. Now it is strictly pretty much you got what you got. You know, you can make some small changes here with this Gen Seven car, but you got what you got, and you know the the team aspect is going to be gone, um, f- the majority of it. I'm curious to see how this crew chief role is going to change as well. Uh, is it going to be more of what we kind of see in IndyCar, which is what they call a race strategist now? Um, is that what we're going to? This crew chief role is going to eventually evolve into because the crew chief used to be so much more than just a race strategist in NASCAR. It was pretty much the head coach. Um, and now it's, you know, there's, their hands are kind of tied. So it, it's just going to be different. And I'm not sure how I feel about it. Uh, I was, i my biggest gripe was that they built this car for cost savings and they didn't care about anything else. I still think that's the case. I'm happy they've gone with the 675 or 670 package over the 550, because I think the 550 would have been a disaster. Um, so I'm happy they've gone that way. I, maybe part of it is that I'm Daytona's coming up I'm getting a little excited for the season but I'm not as down on the Gen 7 as I was probably three or four months ago um but I'm still trying to figure out exactly if this is the NASCAR everybody, everybody that talks you know you hear even in this testing at Daytona Everybody's saying it's gonna be different. It's way different. It's different. It's different. It's different. It's different than anything I've ever driven before. And I kind of liked the old NASCAR. The old NASCAR kind of had a lot of things I liked. So I'm not sure if I'm gonna like a completely different sport. Um, and that's where I kind of like on a Gen 7, to be honest with you. It it's there's no doubt it's gonna lead us into a new era of NASCAR racing, um, a more modern era of NASCAR racing. But I think part of the charm of NASCAR racing was for people like me and uh, old school fans like me was you didn't have to be a, you know, a science major to kind of figure out what the hell people are talking about when it comes to these race cars. Now you kind of do, uh, you know, obviously not to that extent, but you know, it, the way, just the way these cars have changed now um, it's just, to me, it, it's, it's changed everything. So um that's my thoughts on the gen seven. Again, there's some good things about it. I'm sure there's things, good things about it that I can't even see that are going to happen. Um, and then there's some things that I'm sure they're not, they're the loopholes. I think the biggest problem is, and, and let me just touch on this before I, I, I stop, uh, you talked about the supply chain solution, uh, supply chain issues. That's kind of out of NASCAR's hands, but for Daytona, and you brought that up, that there could be some supply issues. They're, you're going out west to the LA Coliseum, then you're coming back east to run a 500, then you're going back out west for the West Coast trip. Don't be surprised if you see that 150s be a very, very single file race, because these guys aren't going to want to tear up the race cars and the 150s, and I know there's going to be some desperate teams trying to get into the race. Uh, Jacksonville New, which is going to be scary to begin with, him trying to make the Daytona 500. Um, you know, that's that's they're going to be desperate. Those teams, and those are always there. But for the majority of the teams that are locked in, um, I think you're going to see them kind of say, "Listen, let's chill out in the 125, 150s," because we don't want to tear up our race cars because of these supply issues. So um, it could be a very, and, and now that the dual, that the uh, the clash has changed venues, it could be a very subdued speed weeks leading up to the Daytona 500. Um, and once you get to Daytona 500, I think teams are going to be okay and they're going to go for it. But uh, the 150s could be a very interesting race to keep an eye on. That's for sure. Just, just by, because I don't think you're going to see teams go out and compete all that hard, to be honest with you.
0: Yeah, and there's multiple practices too. So the notion of wanting to yard sale a car is not um there. Uh the point you bring up is is very true. It's not just the fact that Shaq Villeneuve will be trying to make his first Daytona five hundred the nineteen ninety-seven Formula One World Champion, nineteen ninety-five IndyCar World Series and Indy five hundred winner. Um, will be trying to make his Daytona five hundred debut. Um be interested to see if uh that team will be able to compete they'll be running limited races of course with Ford's um uh, a um, Euro series uh driver will be coming over with daddy's money um to run a bunch of races so we'll see how that works out um but you know it's very true with the gen 7 i i just want to get my i mean the gen 6 i'm glad it had more aspects of a real car but then when you have it stuck to the ground and you have all the same issues you've had for two generations of cars didn't solve anything. Putting a big-ass spoiler on it didn't solve anything. Going and changing it from high horsepower to low horsepower to high horsepower to low horsepower didn't solve anything. Jimmy Johnson can say he's won championships in three different types of cars, just like Tony did. He was in the third, fourth, and fifth. Um, Jimmy was in the f- uh, fourth, fifth, and sixth um, generation of cars. And But you know, by the end of it, it was a cluster. But then when you consider who's running NASCAR, it kinda all makes sense. Um, Phil, I'll throw to you, um, you know, the Gen 6 car kind of rolls and when uh I mean I'm not so sure where your fandom started. I mean, I know you talk about the history too, just like Clayton and I do. So um, um age-wise, I think we're relatively close. So, but you know, I think this Gen Six car kind of lands with all of us here on the show. Um uh, it had its moments. It had its good. It definitely had its bad. Um but thoughts on now that we're leaving Gen six and now we're going in a gen seven for um the next uh part of NASCAR and a whole different car.
2: Yeah. Well, for me I'd say I was probably more of a probably about a gen four, gen five around there. Yeah. Cause Gen five was actually what, yeah, that would be this
0: old six oh seven. Yeah, basically.
2: Yeah. So yeah, so I really kind of got heavy into it around two thousand. So, but yeah, but to
0: that's kinda, Gen four.
2: Yeah, Gen four. Yeah. So, uh just to kind of, I guess, do a eulogy to the uh, Gen six. Um Yeah, it, it like you said, it was a car that was good when it needed to be, but. It also had a myriad of problems, and most of that was NASCAR's fault. Uh, you know, whether it was the splitter, which once you damage that splitter, you pretty much destroyed the front end of your race car to, you know, not knowing what type of uh, engine package you want to run or what type of, uh, you know, changes that they can make to the car. And it was just to the point where fans were just, like, tired of it, you know, Uh, That was the major complaint because it was just like, oh, well, they can't do anything if the car is automatically all the way down on the ground because you want to have a splitter. and We're still going to have the splitter issue with the uh, next gen, but uh, it just stood out even more so, you know, with Gen 6 and then just the safety aspects, you know, I mean, for the most part, they were safe, but you yeah, you you did you had your accidents like uh, Austin Dillon and mm-hmm. uh, you know even Ryan Newman's accident as well. Oh yeah, where yeah where you know you still had you know thank God both of them were able to walk away and you know we've yet to see how next gen really does in a hard impact like that other than those crash tests or I guess so called crash tests that. Steve meal a scene that we haven't, but, <laughs> um, you know, it, it's, I, I, the way I feel is I'm glad that we're going to kind of get, some sort of a feel when we go to uh you know when they do the uh, class at the coliseum uh for how these cars are gonna do when it comes to if we have an accident or something like that and lord willing you know you don't want to be the person that has that accident at a uh, first time track that you know you may never go back to but um, I don't know. Like you say, it, it it's a love-hate relationship with that. You know, a lot of kids were able to learn about NASCAR by looking at the Gen 6. You know, I think now if you had said to any of us, you know, out of us four, uh, maybe 10, 15 years ago, the the cars would go back to looking like this, pretty much almost the uh, street versions. like, I look at the mustang and i never expected ford to ever do anything but a Taurus when i was a little kid so uh even though they had done like the thunderbird and everything's like everything like that but you always just felt like those cars were more reserved you know the mustang and the camaro and you know i guess in a way the supra those are more kind of pipe dream cars when you were collecting uh, matchbox cars or You know, if you're watching Trans Am or, you know, a different type of uh, racing, you know, you don't expect to see those be able to come in and for fans to be excited about what they're seeing, you know, number placement be damned. You know, uh, people are uh, going to I think people are enjoying what they're seeing. Uh earlier in the season earlier in the off season when things were kind of bad with making trying to find speed for the car, you know, I think a lot of people were like, well, maybe we're not ready for the car, but now with NASCAR saying, Oh, well, okay, let's do the six seventy, they're ready. Uh, you know, I think once we get past Daytona, which for uh for a sport that right now is gonna go through a low car count because of things out of their control um you know it it just feels like you hope everybody makes it out of there safe and uh you know when that green flag drops we'll just forget about gen six and 10 years from now kids will look back at gen six and say look what they took from us and once again i'll be able to say you're wrong and you're wrong again because they took nothing good from you they only gave you something good they only gave you something better
0: I mean, I guess we can look at the Gen Six in a lot of ways. You can look at Arca because those cars have been there since 2013, and they still haven't updated them or 2012 or whatever. The the five star body cars that um, Mike Helton's made a ton of money off of them. It killed the Arca series in the process. Um, Josh, you're very knowledgeable about the math and the arrow and the whole bit. Um, we've talked about. I mean, you're a junior guy and the fact that he talked about about the bas and how it hasn't helped the sport um the splitter is for sports car racing i mean i'm a motorsports fan in general Uh, a cup car shouldn't have a splitter it should have a valence and should have probably a two inch spoiler on the back um the thing should have to lift off the ground there should be no coil binding they should get rid of that that would save money if you go and tell teams oh you can't coil bind on the front and you actually have to make shocks yeah you're going to spend money on the shocks and yeah i think it's a negligible difference on the shocks versus having to go and put coil binding and then everything's on i mean whatever i get you could probably tell me better um but they need to get the cars off the ground uh the gen six car had numerous issues uh i think it was negligible difference in my opinion gen 5 to gen 6 at least when the gen 5 put a spoiler back on the car after it got rid of that goofy wing um what are your thoughts on gen 5 or i mean the gen 6 car and what are you thinking about at least early thoughts on the gen 7
1: yeah i mean well the gen 6 car is probably going to be remembered a lot for the rule changes uh that seem to happen every year year to year that um, you know the fans uh, focused on the spoiler height. You know the first year was like seven point two five inches, and then they increased it eight inches in 2014. And they changed the horsepower, and then 2015 that was you know the first year that outside of Daytona and Talladega they put uh, the uh, some kind of engine restriction. I mean it wasn't a restrictor plate, but they did put the uh, the tapered spacer on the engine and you know, reduced horsepower to seven fifty. And for most of that year, the you know, the racing was pretty lackluster, and then you know, in the middle of the year, they decided to start experimenting with the rules package, and they cut the spoiler down and everything, and then it started to race like it did uh, the year before, and you know, you suddenly had more off throttle time and everything, and um, drivers could manage uh, the you know the race car and everything. So, it just I think you know, with the way that it you know turned out, and then they went to the uh, 550 package in 2019, and you know all these rules changes and stuff and you know fans complaining consistent or you know constantly on twitter about how um you know the racing was good or bad or whatever and the infamous jeff gluck was a good race pole of course and all that stuff and you know eventually it ended up this car just did not really race good um on long runs it you know only raced good in uh short you know short runs like you know green white checker situations and and everything and you know did kind of, I mean, this last package did kind of influence the, as far as the engine goes, the um, uh, 550. I mean, it was originally going to be 550 for Gen 7, they increased it 670, but I mean, still not what it was back in 2014 when it was totally unrestricted at 900 horsepower. So, um, and that's, you know, back when you, I, I mean, I sh- I still think that it should be at 900 horsepower and, you know, just have as much engine power, of course. But um, I mean, I think ultimately it's just, you know, going to be remembered for the rules changes. And, um, you know, I think fans, um, complain co- constantly and the, they never solved the, uh, dirty air issue. I mean, never completely did. And, you know, they tried making the big spoiler package for, I mean, they wanted to make it fit for Indianapolis when they were still racing oval, And they thought that maybe, Oh, they, if they, um, cut the engine power and then made a big spoiler on the back that it would look like the, uh, racing at the Indy 500, which of course it's not going to be the case because the, um, Indy cars generate downforce a lot differently than a uh, stock car does. And I think eventually, I uh, think they're going to have to come around to the fact that, uh, stock cars don't really produce downforce, uh, that well, no matter how many, uh, spoilers you have on it, how, how big they're or whatever, it's just not going to be efficient in, in order to go, go fast. Um, it's, um, going to be, you know, I mean, they're going to find a way to go fast no matter what. And, and you know, if you're behind a car and um, going into the corner, there's always going to be some some type of uh, aero loss there um, that can't get uh, regenerated unless you, you know, are in clean air or you, you know, fall back enough um, to um, not be affected it by it. But we'll see if the Gen 7 kind of fixes uh, that issue, if it makes it better. Um, especially with um, the rear diffuser on the back end, um, kind of helping with the rear downforce and everything. We'll see if um, independent rear suspension uh, helps with um, you know the travel of the car in the corners uh, compared, you know, to the solid rear axle that they had and everything. And you know, I mean, I remember one year they had an in-car camera on, I think Brad's car at Kentucky back in like twenty fourteen, and they had the they had the uh, camera showing the suspension travel and there wasn't really any suspension travel at all. And I mean, you know, they had already gotten rid of ride heights and everything, but it just um, showed the lack of travel in the car and how aero dependent the car had become. And, you know, I'm very curious to see if the suspension changes here, does it kind of bring back balance to the mechanical side of it compared to the aero side? Cause um, you know, they made all these changes and everything. Uh, arrow wise, and it didn't really improve the racing very much. You know, either made it worse. Um, mean, they did take downforce weight and it kind of made it better, but then, um, eventually all the, you know, innovation kind of caught back up to it. And then it, you know, didn't look any different than what it was uh, before they made any of the changes. So, um, we'll see where they go in the direction of Gen 7. Um, and, uh, especially with, uh, the bigger tires as well. That's another thing is they're widening the tires and, um, they're changing the suspension and. Um, you know, they are lowering the, you know, the spoiler size, but and still, they're going to figure out a way to generate downforce, uh, on the front end and all that stuff. So it's going to be curious to see what it looked like in, you know, racing situation, especially at the mile and a half tracks. Um, and, I mean, we know this car is going to be more of a road course, short track car, but was it going to look like on the mile and a half? And, you know, they had the test at Charlotte, but, uh, we don't really know what it's going to look like in an actual racing situation. Um, cause you know, when they're testing, they may be trying different things. And then once they've actually had a chance to uh, set up the cars properly and, and, you know, plan for a race situation where you're actually um, racing for, um, you know, points and position are, is it going to like race differently? And we see, more of the same or is it going to be better where you you know you can follow in the corners so it's all going to be very interesting but we'll just have to see what happens on the track
0: absolutely that's something we're going to end up finding out here in a few weeks time at the clash uh the coliseum uh whether these cars are able to handle the tight confines of a closet floor and then when it comes to gen six i told my piece um, you can find us uh, at philipgmatthew.com on WordPress. You can follow us at philipgmatthew on Twitter. Um, Valentina or that. Um, I'm going to go with um, you, Clayton, first. Um, let us know where we can um, find you um, on the socials, where we can find you with your print material uh, since you've retired at least temporarily. From the podcast side, um, where can we find you?
3: I'm on Twitter, coldwell 89 It's uh, my Twitter handle, um, of course. And then, uh, you know, you can find me at frontstretch.com. You know, uh, this year I produced, or the past year, I produced a two-headed monster. Uh, we'll see. Still working out as far as what the role is going to be for 2022. Um, that might change as well. Um, but, yeah, that's where you can find me. And, and I just want to say thank you, Philip, for having me tonight, and uh, Josh as well. Uh, you guys have a really great show. It was a lot of fun to be par-
0: participate, and I appreciate it. No, we we appreciate you coming on, man. Uh, your knowledge and uh, your passion for the sport is something that we're going to hopefully be able to rely on because I need all the help I can get, especially with NASCAR. So I'll, I'll go with Papa Clayton instead of – we'll bring Papa Clayton in. Um, might do a little – rotation with you and big Phil over there um, for the guys that'll go and make up for my not really caring though if if Chase Briscoe wins or Brad wins maybe I'll I'll change my my tune Phil uh, I thank you too Clayton thank you Uh, Phil where can we find you on the socials you are a very interesting man on the socials your content is great also the written word you have a great uh, ability with the written word, but you also have a great ability on the social. So let us know where we can find you. That's
2: gotcha. right. Yeah. Um, well, you can follow me on Twitter at Phil and Espanol. Uh, it, or if you just search on Twitter, Phil Spain, I'll probably be the first one that pops up. Um, I'm also, like I say, working for Pitbox Press. Uh, they're on Twitter at Pit box press, basically all one word. Uh so through the year uh throughout the year gonna be here for uh race recaps, for opinion pieces, and for uh, you know, news and uh breaking news as well. Um so we're in the process of getting stuff together for the beginning of this year. Uh we got a lot of stuff already planned, uh, that's just waiting to be posted, but uh, just hopefully getting into the swing of things we're only there's only about maybe eight of us right now but uh you know we're growing a number and a lot of young kids that are really interested in writing and i think that's what kind of gives me hope for the future especially in journalism and nascar so uh yeah so and of course like yeah i'm basically phil and espanol on all socials uh twitter and also on tiktok every once in a while too so <laughs> let's
0: watch it well if uh Bubba wins the 500 i guess we know where phil's gonna be on on tiktok um i'll probably not be able to if, if, if that happens, I'm not going to be anywhere near social media because I'll be at the VFW um, drinking uh, in celebration of that. Um, the same way as I was at the bowling alley when uh, Baba won um, because it'd be epic. It wouldn't fit the narrative for segments of society, but um, they can go fuck themselves. Uh, Josh, I know we have to probably do a half episode um, one of these days, uh, but let us know where we can follow you in regards to the um your your um racing and also on social media so we can find out if trent balky finally goes and gets his beheaded which would be a service to society um because he's one of the worst gms
1: on the face of the planet yeah I know you knew that because you're 49ers fandom but no um yeah, of course uh the twitch um uh, streams you can follow that at uh twitch TV slash 2 and so we're gonna have all the i racing streams and um you know any other video game stuff i decide to do but I've been on iRacing racing the first time this year uh last weekend did some uh 87 car at Talladega and then did uh the Mercedes uh Formula One car and found out I don't really have a lot of pace currently and that's going to be a work in progress uh this year to try to get better on that end. Uh, if I decide to yeah, so you're more, like Valteri yeah, Botas. Yeah. It's okay. Do more F1 stuff there uh, on iRacing. But you know, um we'll we'll do that. And then of course on Twitter follow at uh JP Huffine and of course yeah see uh what my reaction is gonna be if I have one uh when when or if the Jaguars ever get rid of Trent Balky, Uh we'll see there are rumors about them talking about getting uh, bill o'brien but looks like that's not gonna be the case thank god um don't yeah. need him either um but we'll see what happens if um what they do but uh get my opinion on that the opinions on the sport and everything else uh, that i'm interested in um you know you follow me there at uh jb and twitter and you know thanks to uh phil thanks to you and uh clayton both uh being guests on here enjoyed uh, your perspectives and, you know, all your opinions on uh, everything. You know, we talked about this uh, tonight.
0: Yeah, we uh, went a little longer uh, than I thought we would. But I'm glad that we had uh, a whole crew that was willing to do that. Um, I probably lost the plot here in um, the last few minutes. But then, you know, at the end of the day, when you drink as much as I do, it kind of happens. Um, you can find me at Philip G. Matthew on Twitter. You can find the Grip Trip Pod on Twitter at Grip Strip Pod. Um, We are on um, Podbean. We're on Amazon Music. Um, Basically, anywhere you can find podcasts, you can find the Grip Strip Podcast. Uh, um, We're getting more followers. So thank you to everyone that is following us. Uh, I thank all the people that are following us outside of um, the U.S., uh, mainly because of the hot F1 takes, mainly because Max Verstappen's a cocksucker. Um, But, um, you know, the uh for everybody that's following us we thank you um i know it's a tough time right now here in the world in this country um but i thank my man josh uh, my right-hand man my co-host the um the calm cool collected side of the gripture pod because um i definitely am not um but josh always brings the perspective and the um more analytical side to the deal i'm just uh mf just is watch forever and i'm um, just gonna say whatever the fuck comes to my head um i thank phil uh for coming on uh Bubba, Bubba mark number one uh i thank clayton as a friend and as a uh former um a co like a, the host and working for working for you so it's kind of weird um sides changed here um i think i think you did pretty good there pop um uh kale will be happy um the missus and kale will be happy with you as uh the hired hand i think we could do this a little more often uh, since you're retired from podcasting i think you can go and do this um a little more often so we're gonna call call you in to work on wednesday nights to go and go over some nascar coverage uh since I'll probably be busy bowling, I'm going to need somebody to go and carry the NASCAR side with Josh. Uh, so, um, and Phil, um, thank you all for being on. I'm glad you guys were able to come on. This was fun tonight. Excellent. And um, I think this could be something. This could be the start of something good. Um, amongst all of us because we all have a following and fundamentally we all have a voice and we all have unique voices and we all have our own perspectives and it's a good thing coming together um, in a time where people are very divisive. Uh, We were able to have a good discourse, talk about different topics, and there's plenty to talk about in NASCAR, to be fair. Uh um, To with how crazy things are but we will see what happens we got testing we got uh lots of stuff going on but we'll be back next week episode 95 of the gsp um talking about chili bowl more than likely um kyle Larson winning again she'll probably make me puke but um hopefully it's buddy kofoid that's the pick i made uh with uh my buddy uh who uh has been on this show uh, i'm forgetting his name now but either way um thank you for listening to gripster podcast uh please uh follow us like us on the socials like us on um, uh, podbean and wherever you can find us on social media and um, take care god bless take care of one another and goodbye